and welcome to yet another episode of the Used Gamer Podcast. This is the 16th episode of our show. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm going to be playing host to our show tonight. With me, as always, are Mike and Jared. Hello, hey. gentlemen. Hey, guys. So we're going to start off this episode with a little apology to anyone and everyone who might have been listening to our show because it hasn't happened for quite some time. I think our last episode was our wrap-up of The Last of Us. Our super spoiler episode, yeah. um, which was back in August or September something or something like, like that. that. Um, life happens, you guys. Uh, Jared's having another child. Mike got married and bought a house. I ended up going to work on the other side of the planet for a little while, so we're back. That's the important part. And uh, we're <laughs> excited because we've been experimenting with some new technology, which is going to make it easier for us to do more episodes more often. So look forward to that, and we appreciate everyone continuing to listen to our show. So this evening, uh, we've got some new stuff to talk about, some new, some relatively old, but some big stuff that's happened since our last recording. And then we have a slew of games that we've been playing, all of us, uh, some individually, some together. Uh, so we're just going to dig right into it. Uh, the first thing we wanted to talk about was uh, something from a few weeks back was the VGX Awards. Now, um, this is the rebranding of the Spike Video Game Awards. It's always just been called the VGAs, right? Yeah, yeah. it was just the VGAs. Yeah. yeah. And how long is this? This was like the 10 year, 11 year, or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't last year, feel like it had been going on that long, but I guess it has. Yeah. yeah. So, big changes this time around. Um, and I'm going to let Mike kind of lead this discussion. But um, first thing that I didn't understand about it was that it wasn't actually aired, right? You couldn't watch this on television. Yeah. Um, I actually I watched it through my Xbox. You could watch it through Xbox, PlayStation, online, through game trailers, who was kind of the ones who were running it um and i watched it on my xbox because you know last year you could interact through your xbox you could log in and you know pick like what trailer you want them to play next or what song or whatever stuff like that um but they didn't really do that they didn't play it on spike at all i tried checking to see because my internet was acting weird and it wasn't on there it was only through the internet and um it was run by game trailers which this is kind of spike's new thing they're teaming up with them to do a lot of their video game stuff which is fine you know i think that's great that they're teaming up with more video game stuff but i just didn't really think it did that well um Joel McHale was the host, and I really just felt like uh, he wanted to be anywhere but there, it seemed like. Did he, he kind of co-hosted with Jeff Keighley, right? Yes, Jeff Keighley was kind so of the like main guy. Industry guy and hired gun. You could tell he felt really <laughs> awkward around Joel McHale because of how Joel McHale was kind of presenting. Right. Like, you see him kind of looking at him like, what, what? it was almost like watching when it was uh, Kanye West and Chris Tucker. <laughs> like, it was kind of like that, only, you know, you know, not as racist. But, um... It was interesting because Joe McHale, like, he's got a very dry delivery, and I love the soup, and I think Joe McHale is hilarious, but this was just not that, and he's just not really that big, and I think there's so many other, if they wanted to get, like, a guest host or so many other better people they could have gotten, like Aisha Tyler or somebody who's a really big gamer. That was the person you know? I thought of. Even yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I don't even like Jimmy oh, Fallon, but I think he would have been better, yeah. you know? It's like, um, it, it just didn't really go that well, and it just... It didn't really seem that organized, and a lot of their stuff was just showing trailers and footage that you've already seen, which I remember it used to be, like, the VGAs was all this brand new stuff that you've never right. seen. first it was, time trailers. It was like, like a big official award yeah. show. This was like a bunch of people sitting on a couch, like, just talking about games, which is fine. I like hearing that, but this was like the award show. I wanted to see a big presentation, a big show, and they didn't really do that. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson was nowhere to be found once again, so that was also a problem. <laughs> Because he always made, he was always the host, and it was great. I'm like, yeah. why did we not stick with him? You know, it's like I don't care whether he plays video games or not. I mean, I think anybody would watch it with him in there. So yeah, that was kind of disappointing. And then at the very end, they had this thing where it was a tribute to the Grand Theft Auto V soundtrack, which won best soundtrack of the year, which is fine. It's great, you know. 
But they did this whole concert, which took up the end, which I kind of skipped because it just wasn't my type of music fine. But they kept cutting over to the bands as they were getting ready for the concert. And they had obviously gotten ready by, you know, doing the usual thing that these bands do. Yeah. So they would just sit there talking about nonsense like potatoes and things. And they would talk to them for like 20, 25 minutes. Even one of the guys would stop and go, oh, I guess we're done. Oh, no, we got to keep talking for another five minutes. All right, well, what what more do we have to say about potatoes? It, I mean, it was pointless. It had nothing to do. And I'm like, cut away from them. Talk about something else. Right. Um, like they just didn't have enough material to fill the time. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It but just it, seemed really like it's weird that it's, that it's not broadcast. That there was even time to fill. Like what? What are you competing with? Yeah, like, I don't know. That's weird. That's really weird. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping maybe this was just because it was their first time, and maybe you know next year's game trailers kind of continues to do this. It'll get better. Fingers crossed. But um, there was still some cool stuff that they showed off. Um, uh, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Telltale had a really good night for my mind because they introduced two games. One was Tales from the Borderlands, which they're going to be teaming up with Gearbox to make a, a Borderlands-style Telltale game, which mm. I thought would be great. Um, they're also doing a Game of Thrones game, um, so two you know stuff that I think both all three of us are really into. So um, mm-hmm. we're really excited about those. So um, you know, yeah, I, Telltale I, rocks. Borderlands without guns. Friends. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm curious. And you're playing as a Telltale game. There's no well, they even yeah, 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 there's no shooter a, or anything like they that. They can do some amusing stuff with that though. Like I don't know if yeah. you saw Meat Bicycle built for two. Yeah, like, three things. <laughs> that, that was some really funny really stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. just to watch, you know. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I'm just going to kind of go over a lot of the big stuff. Like I'll, I'll name some of the winners. Like best action adventure game was Black Flag. Um, so uh, I've actually gotten to try that one out. So I'll be talking about it. Um, I think next episode or is this either way. Um, so anyway, <laughs> it won best action adventure. So that was kind of cool. Um, Nintendo actually showed up for the first time on uh, one of these for uh, talk about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So they talk about how you can play as uh, Cranky Kong. Um, best sports game was NBA 2K14. Um, they showed off a little bit more of Quantum Break, which I was kind of disappointed with. And I'd like to think more people were because this is a game that I think a lot of people are curious about and want to see more of. And they said, that, oh, we'll have gameplay footage. And it was this tiny little smidgen. Well, the idea is neat, but I think it's just not panning out. Yeah. Is, it, is that a console exclusive or is that on both systems? I think it's on both, yes. And mm. I think there's going to be a live action show, too. I don't know yeah. if they're going to pull a Defiance uh, Yeah, it's, much, it's but... poor timing on their part that it's coming out after that. Because I think that was generally regarded as kind of a failed experiment. Yeah. yeah. It but started it out really well, but then I, I almost feel like they didn't know where to go with that yeah. show. But anyway, that's for another time. <laughs> um, so then uh, Game of the Year, which they did like very close to the beginning, which I thought was weird. But it had some good contestants. Tomb Raider, Bioshock Infinite, Super Mario 3D World, Last of Us, and GTA V. GTA V, of course, took the title home. I would have rather seen Last of Us, but hey, you know, who am I to argue? Um, You're a gamer. You count. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I just, just you are somebody. Mike. But uh, Broken Age is. They actually ended up. They, that's the game from. Uh, what's the name of the company? Double Fine. Yeah, Double Fine. They asked for four hundred thousand dollars out of Kickstarter. They got three and a half million. So they decided, you know what, we're gonna make like this amazing game. So it looks really cool. It's got a very kind of stylistic feel to it. Very much them. It's got some cool voice acting. They showed off some by Jack Black and Elijah Wood. Um, so Jack Black's done a lot of games. I love how they get people like that because they're clearly just their friends. Like, yeah. they just know these people now. Well, know? yeah, I mean, Jack Black did Brutal Legend for right. them yep. and stuff, so obviously they know each other. <laughs> but they were really excited about getting Elijah Wood in there, and he was really excited to do it. They showed a little interview with him. Um, they showed a little bit of Tom Clancy's The Division, which is a game I'm really looking forward to. Um, they showed a lot about its uh, dynamic environment, how it can kind of change. Um, best independent game was Gone Home, uh, which that one has done really, really well, apparently. It's like uh, the new... Uh, 
big independent game to talk about this year. Um, and then there was another independent game that looked really cool called No Man's Sky. It's uh, by the same company that did Joe Danger that won uh, the best indie game last year. Um, and it's basically oh. a game based off of exploration um, to an umpteenth degree. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody has looked up the trailers for it, but if you haven't, um, definitely check it out. It's basically, imagine like Skyrim, if any of you played that, where you could look across the horizon and venture to wherever you could. Well, now imagine that you do that only with a galaxy. Like, there's all these planets, and you can visit them all and go pretty much everywhere. And keep in mind, this game is designed by four people. So, a, a really huge undertaking, a uh, really, really uh, cool idea. So, we'll, we'll kind of see about that. It has elements from just about everything. Yeah, it? and I'm curious to see that the, the footage, well, if it was footage that they showed, and it looked like it was. It didn't really look like a cinematic trailer. It's the fact no, that, it like, game footage, that you yeah. kind of start in the ocean, and then you go up on the land, and you get in your ship, and you go into the sky, and then you go up into this epic space battle, and there's no loading screens in any of that. Like, yeah. it just goes right through. Well, you can through just and... do whatever you want. Yeah. There's stuff to do everywhere. You can it's, go it's on like, to an island. Yeah, Minecraft meets Skyrim. It's like, like they say, Lives will be ruined by this game. They, they, <laughs> they in a good kinda, way. You know, described it as a game about exploration. It's not a shooter. It's not you know an RPG. It's not. I mean, it's all about exploration because the whole thing is you can go anywhere. <laughs> so it looked pretty cool. Um, Dying Light. They showed off that another open world zombie game. You know, like we need another one of those. But hey, this <laughs> one has parkour in it, so you know that's great. Parkour zombies. So uh, best shooter was actually pretty interesting. It was Bioshock Infinite. No Call of Duty this year, so I was well. Really I think it's neat because that. that was probably not the best shooter mechanic, but was a great game. So it's interesting. And I that think they, that's why they got voted for that yeah. for being such a strong game, even though the shooter aspect of it was yeah. right only oh, decent, probably. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Pick. And then best character was also Bioshock Infinite for the twins. So um, the Lutest twins. Kind of well, okay. If you played the game, that best character is fit. yeah. Go go revisit our Bioshock spoiler episode, and we'll talk more uh, about that. You can hear more. Yeah, about it'll that. hurt your brain. Yeah, yeah. well. You bleed a little. Uh, it's best, right. best studio was Naughty Dog, you know, for Last of Us, so I agreed with that one. And then Titanfall had a pretty cool thing. It showed off that the uh, the Titan gameplay of the game is actually going to be multi-class. There's different classes of Titans depending on what role. They showed off the Ogre Titan, which is going to be more of your heavy. It's not going to be moving around a lot, but it's got a lot of armor to it. And your Strider, which is very light on armor, but very maneuverable. So I thought it was kind of cool to see that they were doing that. Um, this is going to sound weird. I'm, uh, I'm going to lose some people's thoughts on me for this, but I don't give a crap about that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, don't, it, it, I it might is, try it, but it I'm not going to. It is just Call of Duty to me. They're just no, adding a little bit. Well, and that's yeah. the thing, it's like, like it's Call of Duty with Max. I yeah. don't care about this game at all. You, you boil it down, and that it's it's hard to say that it's like, and I'm sure for what it is, it's going to be awesome, but like, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind like of, it. I mean, big robots are cool, like, nobody's going to disagree with that, but like, at the end of the day... I don't. I don't know. I. I just. I. I feel weird because I feel like the expectations for this game are going to be so ridiculously high, and I feel like in a lot of ways Microsoft are having to like hedge their whole bets for next year based on this like one title because mm-hmm. yeah. they they really do have that over Sony. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we're not the target. Audience. I don't think we are. I think the kind of people who love to play those competitive, really hardcore games like Battlefield and you know things like that, and you know Modern Warfare, whatever. That's who this is for, which that's not. We don't really play a lot of that, but and that's this, you know, they talk about how they're going to be melding the single player and multiplayer. No, you know? that just means there's no single player. Yeah, that basically <laughs> just means you have gameplay on that. But hey, you know we have a. a, we'll a I'm sure it'll be great. Always coming year. Yeah, always online functionality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, so that was the VGX. <laughs> Definitely kind of disappointing. Now, one really interesting thing was the studios got to do their own acceptance speeches however they wanted to. So, um, like for Black Flag, when it won, they actually took a, a thing out of the game and had Kenway kind of do his own acceptance speech on the deck of the ship. Um, you know, Insomniac had all their employees just randomly make up stuff. You know, like they had to accept their award, but they like surprised them with it. Like, you have to give the acceptance speech. So they just step, sat there like stone faced, like, what? Because <laughs> these are all these yeah, game programmers. Like some junior artist or something. Like, right. you have to accept on behalf of the whole studio. But but they did it with everybody. So it was just, it was just compilation of, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What so it was, it was, there was definitely some high points about it, but I. Feel like it wasn't like it. Well, it's past. been such an awesome event. That's yeah. why it's a letdown because in the past they've and, been so, and they've been getting better. I in think, the past every they had like movie time. stars show up to do presenting. And all mm-hmm. it was this big show, and like now it's just kind of like, oh, we're just gonna sit here and talk about games. Yeah, it's like I, I, they because there isn't really anything like this. It's kind of the only game in town, so I feel like they need to sort of figure out what kind of show they want to have, like. Do they want it to be the Oscars? Do they want it to be the MTV Movie Awards? I mean, I think they could do one of those things well, but it's like I don't. It's like they don't exactly know what they want it to be. And but it keep, wasn't even MTV Movie Awards. It was bit. more like you know a couple of guys sitting in their garage, you know, right. doing their own little award show. It was kind of I yeah. Don't know. It makes no sense they went this way, but I think there's enough people now, gregarious like exciting entertaining people who legitimately like and care about this stuff that that's all you need like you don't need to pull in these people who really have no relationship to this this hobby like it just doesn't make any sense so yeah look we'll see give give it another try next year guys yeah so we'll see maybe they'll pick it up and maybe this was just kind of first time jitters or something but so your VGX Awards, our glowing review of the VGX mm. Awards. Love well, that. one of the other big news things, which is maybe one of the biggest news things of the whole year that happened since our last episode, was um, the birth of, I guess, what you call current-gen gaming now. Um, mm-hmm. Within a week of each other, we have uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 finally released upon the world. Um, by all accounts, both are selling really, really well. Um, I've seen both consoles in stock in various places, so they don't seem to be in any shortage, which is yeah, great, which so people can me. still get them. There is still some, though, because yeah, I've been in GameStop before, and people are like, oh, no, we won't have them, we'll call you if it's, they It's show really up. hit and miss. It seems like, yeah, like kind of like the Wii was for a while. I'm still or... surprised there's any. Most console launches, they're near Christmas, they sell out pre-orders, and you can't get them until, like, February. Yeah, so. yeah. Maybe they just plan better. So, yeah, so I both... think they're pumping them out as fast yeah. as they can. Yeah, they've learned from their mistakes. Well, I mean, that... We're, we're, we've just ended the longest console generation ever. So, I mean, they've, they've had a while to ramp up to this. Um, <laughs> both systems, and we don't need to go into too much detail about this, both systems have run into a number of hardware issues, which I think if you think back to one of our earlier episodes, I might have harped on this a little bit. One of the reasons why you sometimes want to wait on a new console launch is that you never know how these things are going to do in the Always wild. Happen. Mike's had to deal with a couple red rings on his mm. Xbox. Jared and I miraculously have not. Which is crazy. Well, I bought a refurbished, which I think was a... So it was a, a, a former was red one, ring. Yeah, like, so that was my benefit, honestly. It saved me money. But, but yeah, so it, uh, PS4 had an issue with um, uh, a blue light of death that essentially was crippling and bricking the console. You don't hear about that so much anymore. Uh, Xbox had problems with its day one patch, and people's machines were freezing up, and not integrating with their television right, and it seems like the Connect 2 isn't quite as revolutionary as they thought it was, but it's early days. I mean, you know, this thing has not, these things haven't been out for very long. Um, I had my chance to get, a chance to get my hands on both of these consoles, just demo units, 
um, tracking them down after they were over. So uh, just some general thoughts based on it. I mean, have you guys gotten to see or play with these things at all? All I've really seen is just stuff. Like, I watched the releases for both games and stuff like that. I haven't actually had any hands-on. Most of my stuff has just been watching coverage of it. Yeah, I've just seen some stuff. I haven't touched the machines yet. Yeah, and it, it's it's one of those things, and I think we even kind of predicted this as we were learning more and more about the machines as time went on through the year. These things are remarkably similar. Like, we're coming to a point of convergence, especially when Microsoft decided to change a lot of their policies in the 11th hour when we, as a gaming society, decided that everything they were doing was stupid and they decided to redact <laughs> all of it. I mean, these machines are remarkably similar now. They're they're both basically really strong high-end PCs. They're both black boxes that you probably won't think about anymore once they're inside your entertainment center. Uh, the Xbox One is freaking huge. It's really big. I think. It's uh, an old school VCR. Yeah, it, it's yeah. pretty large. Um, the PS4 is definitely quite a bit smaller, especially when you can uh, compare it to the original model of the PS3. It's significantly smaller than that. Well, when you can't stand up the Xbox, you can stand up the PS4. Uh, yeah, the yeah. The Xbox has to be flat. That's right, yeah. So so that might make a difference for some people. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, the main thing that I got to come away with were just the few demos that I got to play with and the controllers, which I was very curious about. Um, Xbox One... I can get that out of the way really well. I mean, most of us agree that the the Xbox controller is is just about perfect. Not many people have a lot of things to complain about with that. It's got good weight. Everything's exactly where it should be. I like the offset thumbsticks. It just seems to work well for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. The D-pad is terrible, so I don't like playing like old, you know, NES type era download games on that, but it's it's functional. Um so that's basically the same. There's no battery pack on the back anymore, so there's a little more space for your hands. Um, there's force feedback in all the triggers, which is really weird. I was playing Forza, and uh, when you turn or bank one way or another, you can actually feel the shock of the controller in specific buttons, which is kind of a weird feeling. So if you're accelerating too hard, the acceleration button vibrates. Not the whole controller, just that huh. one button. So it's it's a weird kind of thing. It didn't... I had heard people sing the praises of this being, like, revolutionary. It didn't really seem that cool to me, but it was kind of a neat little thing. Um, the PlayStation 4 controller might be my favorite controller I've ever seen. It's pretty great. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but I'm not a big fan of the DualShock 3. Um, I, I, thought, I thought the original PlayStation controller was great when it came out. Like, it was perfect. And then DualShock 2, oh, it was fantastic. Like it, But then, you know, other people had time to iterate and make other controllers and it's exactly the same as it's always been it feels really light to me it feels kind of cheap and plastic and i don't know my hands get cramped it just feels kind of small the playstation 4 controller is a little bit wider um it finally fixed the weird triggers on top of the ps3 controller your fingers kind of would slip off of the r1 and the l1 buttons Mm -hmm. they fixed that so that's not an issue anymore there's no more sort of bump on top of the thumbsticks. It's kind of caved in now a little bit with some rubber grip around the edge. Uh, there's a touchpad in the middle. I didn't really get to play with that at all. But it's just it's heavier, which I really like. Um, I don't know. It just feels right, kind of the same way that an Xbox controller feels right. So controllers are both great. Um, well, when I saw it, the first thing I thought is it looks a lot like an Xbox controller. Yeah, yeah. So you compare that to like the the what was it the Wii U controller Pro, which is just an Xbox 360 controller yeah. that happens to have Nintendo's name stamped on it. And so yeah, it's like an admission that they perfected it with that controller. Yeah. At least up okay, to this you point, you guys got it right. You guys got it right. Let's just all kind of agree that this is the way things need to be. Um, Forza is <laughs> the only game that I got to play on Xbox one and i don't like racing games in general it's pretty but 
I think we've reached a point now where the step up in graphics is probably the smallest that it's ever been. The stronger that, you know, because the machines that we are just now finishing up the generation of, I mean, they're really, really strong machines. I mean, yeah. these things yeah, were just now at the end hitting. Yeah. Like figuring out what you can do with them. I mean, yeah. so it's not, at least from what I've seen, you know, and maybe a year or two from now, we'll see things that just, you know, make our brains explode. Yeah, they'll get better at making Absolutely. That's games. always the way that's gone, yeah. but it's a racing game that looks great. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, for PlayStation, uh, I played a bunch of demos. Uh, Knack, which has not gotten really great reviews. Um, yeah, I didn't really have anything remarkable to say about it. I was hoping that would be good. A lot of people really like it, and it feels slow to me. The character moves quite slow. The graphics are not quite as crisp as I thought they would be. It might be great. It might be fun. But I think with a sort of a little 3D platformer like that, there's so many good ones, like all the Mario games and Ratchet and Clank. I mean, it's you got to do something special. So, I don't know. Maybe if you play more of it, it's more entertaining. Uh, contrast which is one of the games that you get for free if you have a PSN membership. That was just garbage. <laughs> like that game just did not play well. It's kind of a cool I enter the shadows in the background to traverse the world sort of mechanic, but it just didn't. The jumping felt floaty and weird, so I'd be glad if I had that game that I hadn't actually paid money for it because it just <laughs> didn't didn't seem to be anything special. Uh, the other game you get for free is Resogun, which seems to be like a, a next-gen version of like Defender, which I've heard is like the best game that's on either of these two systems right now, and I haven't gotten to play it yet. And I really want to play that because it looks really cool. But um, the only game that I spent a little bit of time with that I actually really enjoyed was the new FIFA game. Let's just think about that for a minute. I don't like sports games. You hate sports games. I don't like sports games. <laughs> I don't like sports in general. I do kind of. I have gotten a little bit more into soccer over the last couple of years because we have a local team here in Orlando that are really good, and they're going to go major league next year. But um, yeah. I think it's because I haven't played a sports game in so long that I can now go to it and go, oh my god, what's happened in the last 15 to 20 years? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty frightening, the level of realism oh, yeah. and interaction and, you know, it, it was just a lot of fun. To the point that I even downloaded the demo on my 360 because I'm like, I might want to keep playing this, so... But I don't think that any of that was due to the strength of the console itself. I'm no. sure the PS3 version plays just as well. The Xbox version plays just as well. So, yeah, I, I think it just sort of it mirrors... My experience mirrors what our assumption was, which is that this is not a leap that I think people need to make right now. I mean, neither mm -hmm. of these machines are have shown to be stellar physical hardware products yet. They've had their issues, which I'm sure they'll work out some of the bugs in new iterations of that probably within the next year. Even if they don't call it a new model, as they continue to produce them, they'll fix some of these problems. And um, there's the games just aren't there. I mean, I'm sure yeah. all of the current-gen games that had next-gen release versions, like Black Flag and, well, Battlefield apparently has been an unplayable mess on the two consoles, just server issues left and right. But um, I've heard Assassin's Creed on both systems is absolutely phenomenal. Dead Rising 3 sounds like it's really cool. I like killing zombies. But yeah, I think for now, we can feel uh, nice and comfortable in our current, well, last gen, last I gen. guess. Yeah. Last gen gaming. Well, and now, of course, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I went to GameStop the other day, and already, like, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 games are just plummeting in price. Oh, so yeah. I it's saw just, whole bins of fourteen ninety nine and less, and we're talking about good games. A lot of those yeah. there too. Not obviously not new. But That's the whole thing. Is most of the games. really good games that you've seen trailers or, or stuff for 
um, that, that's supposed to be like the big next gen titles, you know, are, are coming out next year. A lot of them that were supposed to come out this year got pushed back, like yeah. the Watch Dogs, Stick of the True. Disappointed about the pushback. You know, all got shoved back. Um, so I mean, I think next year is going to be the time to get the console number one because hopefully they'll have worked out a lot of the hardware issues. Mm. Number two, you'll actually have some good games to play. Yeah. Because uh. it sounds like most of the games that have come out for these consoles are doing horribly. The only ones that are doing well are games that you can get on, on the previous right. ones mm-hmm. that work just as well. And I mean, the only thing is you get a little bit of crisper graphics. That's I heard they're not even that much better. Right. So. I yeah. I'd say that honestly, the next you might start to see a point that it's really different, and you really want these systems will probably be next holiday, a mm-hmm. year from now. Actually, I think yeah. I think at that point, that's when you're going to hit a point where you're like, okay, they're they're going to start ramping down games for the for the last gen, and some of these new games, some of these things are going to start coming out. You know, games like Destiny. That is the kind of game yeah. which doesn't come out to like next. September, or yeah, something. but that yeah. also comes yeah. out for current gen too, though is yep. the thing. Yeah, a lot of these games are still going to be coming out for yeah. current gen, which I think is going to be a thing that for a lot of us who can't exactly afford to go next <laughs> well, gen, it's not like yet, it's a choice. For we're us. not going to yeah, be, uh, you know, struggling to get no, it because we're like, hey, I can get Destiny on three sixty. I think that's going to start to be the point, though, when it's like, yeah. okay, it's really exciting to get these new machines now. Yeah, yeah. and the one thing that I'm kind of left with that I keep hearing more about that I'm really curious to try out. Uh, and it's an expensive proposition, but um, it's this this interactivity that Sony's building into their products together. So the way that they've tied the Vita into the functionality of the PS4, the fact that you can use it as like a remote play device where you know you can have your machine running in the living room and you can go in your bedroom and play any PS4 game on your Vita. Which for some people there's been a lot of lag and it's not worked well. Other people say it works flawlessly. I mean, that sounds really cool. Have you guys seen this stuff um, from a while back? This is since our last episode of the PS Vita TV. Mm-hmm. It's basically a Roku box made yeah. by Sony that essentially has all the functionality of a Vita, but also lets you stream your PS4 content to any television in your house. So oh, if, wow. you're, if you're playing on the living room and the wife comes in and wants to do something else, and you're like, okay, that's cool. It, just like in a commercial, you're like, whatever, that's cool. You grab your controller, go to another room, and just pick it right up again. That's really cool. Will the controller awesome. still work from that far away, though? Yeah, well, and I mean, these are all based on strength of Wi-Fi and stuff yeah. like that. So a lot of well, these... It's also nice if you have something like Netflix or something on your PlayStation, and you want to go watch the, the, it in bed or something like that, yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. you can go just watch it there. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I something, a document was leaked a few months back that there was, um, that Sony's already planning a bundle that's going to have the PS4 and the Vita in one box for next Christmas, just like Jared mm-hmm. said. And if they can get that price point right, it's still going to be really expensive because that's a five, $400 console and a 175 to $200 handheld. Mm-hmm. But if they can knock another $100 off of that, I don't know. I mean, the Vita is supposed to be a really pretty monstrously great piece of hardware. The PSP was a great piece of hardware. It just they really just wasn't supported games. in America. Yeah. yeah so, games. I mean, that... That kind of excites me, but again, that's a lot of money to drop down that yeah. hole. And we've got plenty of games to play. So. We do, but man, I think down the line that'll be real cool. And you know, uh, for me, you know, I mean, I, I got a kid. I can't get on the the game system all the time when I want. But if I could just be, you know, playing a game when all of a sudden I just want to, they want to have the TV, I just go, okay, well, I'm gonna pick up my Vita and start playing. Oh, that's awesome for someone like me. Yeah. 
My daughter's knocking on the door. She wants to come in. Oh, adorable. She has opinions about next-gen gaming. She does. She says, this is going to be it's gonna be the gen she grows up in. I'm telling you, the, the kids and technology. What, is that, what does that do to your brain? I know. That's, yeah. exactly, that's crazy. Okay, so, um, and then kind of tied into this, just a real brief thing we wanted to talk about. We wanted to touch on the idea of, um, you know, I mentioned Contrast and Resogun. This idea that now you're getting free games on these consoles. I mean, PC players for many years now, through things like Steam, have been able to get games for next to nothing. Sometimes nothing. Like, every now and again, these services will just have free games. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, good old games the other day had... You could get uh, the first two Fallout games and Fallout Tactics for free. Oh, I did it. Yeah, just log in and just get them for free. Free, yeah. Yeah, it's free. I love Fallout. That's amazing. (laughs) So... You know, we've had Xbox Gold memberships for some time, Mm -hmm. and um, none of us have PS Plus memberships. Um, But as time time goes on, these systems are kind of merging. They're both in this current, now current, generation. Both uh, services you're going to have to pay for if you want to be able to play multiplayer on the new systems. So you're going to plunk your $50, $60 a year into either system. Uh, and the thing that's kind of differentiating them now is the fact that you get these free games. And um, for the last year or so, we've kind of, from the periphery, been looking out at this PlayStation Plus membership bonuses, and it's kind of ridiculous what they've been offering to people. And this is this goes back to that whole ecosystem thing I was just talking about, where you pay for a single membership, and you get free games on your PS3 and your Vita and your PS4, if you're somebody who has all three of those things. Um but I saw some statistic recently that said that had you joined in basically when this thing started and had you logged in and downloaded all these games as you went, at this point, over a couple years, you would have downloaded like $1,200 worth of free games. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And um, so Microsoft's had some ground to kind of make up, which when did they announce that? Was that E3 that they yes. first talked about games? Yes. Like old? Yes. They both talked about it at E3. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, I mean... PlayStation already kind of had it going. Yeah, yeah. They just talked about how they're going to be expanding it, and that it'll. And that was when they talked about how it'll cover all three of the PS Vita, the PS3, and the PS4. And now, but Xbox, that was their first time ever talking about games yeah. of gold. Yeah. So, and it's been interesting because, uh, and you know, this was a criticism that I think we brought up even in an older episode. Was it seems like with the games that Microsoft's willing to sort of release into the wild for free, they're they're not really sticking terribly current to what's going on at the time. No, I mean, really, if you go on to Xbox Live Arcade and go to most of the game, uh, pretty much all the games are giving out, of course, are either arcade games or on-demand games. Mm-hmm. And if you go online and look at them, most of them hit a price tag of a max of about 10 bucks, and those are only for the really expensive ones. They're all very older, very dated games. Right. And a lot of them you can go to GameStop and get used. I mean, I have no you can get Rainbow <laughs> Six Vegas for 89 cents if you're a pro member. And they gave that away for free. Like, ooh, yay, thank you. <laughs> it's your free dollar. You saved me 89 cents. I appreciate that, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, a lot of really dated kind of games, like Assassin's Creed 2, you know, uh, Halo 3... Um, Dead Rising 2, Crackdown, the original, not even the right. sequel. I mean, all really good games. All good games. In but 2003 three years Most yeah. of them are the ones you had. Like, yeah, a lot of these I didn't have, so I got to try out Crackdown for the first time, had fun with that. Um, you know, I did Magic 2013, which I hadn't gotten. Defense Grid. There was a lot of just little arcade games, though, too, which mm-hmm. I was like, really? This yeah, is what is it? Uh, Kingdom for Keflings? Yeah, or World for Keflings? Is our that, even, I don't know. 
But and then on the other hand, you look at PlayStation Plus, and they have you know Saints Row the Third and Deus Ex: Human Revolution, Assassin's Creed Three, Infamous right. Two, you know XCOM: Enemy Unknown, Uncharted Three, all these games that have come out within the last year. And are all still $30 or more, even if you buy them used from GameStop. Like, these, I feel, are better values to them. Now, the one argument that uh, that Xbox has over PlayStation is they'll say that with Games of Gold, as soon as you download that game, it is yours. Right. Whether you cut your Gold subscription or whatever, it is yours. Now, with PlayStation Plus, if you cut your PlayStation Plus um, ex- you know, uh, subscription, you lose everything that you've gotten. All those free games. Yeah. But the only thing is, I kind of feel like if you got rid of your PlayStation Plus subscription, wouldn't you kind of be getting rid of your? Why would you do that unless you were getting rid of your PlayStation? Yeah, it's hard to say because like, like we're gonna come to a point in the next year or two where I'm gonna look at my my re up for my Xbox Live Gold, and I'm gonna have to think about well, how much am I actually gonna use this thing? Like, am I still gonna be playing multiplayer games with my friends for a system that's a couple years old? I don't know. Maybe I will be. But for that, I mean, for the new systems, you're gonna need it if you want to do that stuff. So you're gonna be playing unless you don't care about multiplayer. Well, not games, to which, mention, or you don't have good internet, which is for a significant number of people. But yeah, so it, it so basically the PlayStation model is like a Netflix model because you don't own any of that. Yeah. You just have access to it. Mm-hmm. So And that's been incredibly successful. <laughs> but the the thing is, I mean, same with Hulu Plus. Yeah. All kinds of these services that are And that either way. of those services have the ability to switch to the other one's model. That's another thing that could be interesting. I mean, Xbox next year could, you know, very slyly slip in some verbiage that essentially says, yeah, well, you know, as long as you have the life of our membership, you're going to have permanent access to, mm-hmm. you know, with a little asterisk at the end of it. Or PlayStation could just up and decide, no, yeah, because it. you still have to log in during these time periods to download these games. Right. So it's not a constantly stacking library that if we jumped into to PSN Plus tomorrow, we can't go back and download every PSN Plus game that's been released for the last two years. It's just starting now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting what you get where you jump in, but... I don't know. And you know, another thing I'm thinking about based on what we were just talking about, I want to dispel any rumors that for some reason we are in any way down on Microsoft in general right now. I mean, we love our Xboxes a lot, and we still play them a lot. And it's probably the more popular system with us from the last generation. Yeah, I probably play more of it than my PlayStation. Definitely, definitely. But I don't know, it's just, this is just our opinions about these specific things that are going on in this period of time. So I know it's it's been kind of a popular thing lately to just sort of hate on Microsoft and everything they're doing, but I don't think we feel that way. We're very, very happy for both these companies to be very successful doing what yeah, they're but, doing. Because if they're both successful, we win. Yeah. yeah. Because we want them to compete with each other. Yeah, I know, Definitely. exactly. That's why things like this exist, where they're giving us free games, because so they go, oh, we really want you, so we'll give you free stuff. So... Good on you, both of you. And the always big thing to remember is also is that the games with gold is $15 a month, while the PlayStation Plus is only $5 a month. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. always a big thing, too. Or, or, Xbox, I think, will drop their price in given some time. Uh, I don't think they will, because I don't think they have to. Uh, I think people will continue to <laughs> pay stuck. it, so they're like, why well, should I? Well, it's the better I online system, so yeah, I mean, it's you're paying for a better yeah. experience. But I think that but that's, well, we'll I think, see. PlayStation I think, experience will probably get better now that they have hopefully. a little money going into it. Well, and also it's now, yeah, it's required in order to play online. With PlayStation 3, you didn't have to you have, have to. the PlayStation, like, you didn't have to have a subscription in order to play online with your friends. With this one, you do. And the whole thing is, is with the next gen, I mean, if you paid attention to a lot of the big announcements that are coming out for next year, they all have 
like some kind of open world multiplayer thing yeah. to it. Yeah. Whether that's you're talking the about the Division, uh, that Insomniac game that they were that they're making, Destiny. anything that's all Titanfall, Destiny. It's all Everything. like yeah. multiplayer open world. You know, big, big, big. So in a way, it's like you kind of going to be missing out on playing with everybody if you don't have a subscription to one of these two. Oh, you have to have at least one. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think that they're going to be hurting for subscriptions either way. No. So. That's the kind of thing with the PlayStation Plus is you're almost going to have to have a subscription anyway in order to play most of these games. So, you know, then on yeah. top of that, you're when getting I, all these free games as long as you have When I go next that. gen, I'll probably do PlayStation and I'll upgrade to Plus then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's that seems like a good time well. to sort of jump in with yep. things. As soon as I upgrade to a PlayStation 4, I figured the 360 is just going to be coming offline. Yeah. Yep. Game console. That's cool. Because I can't you know, have both like this generation. I got the only thing is though, both. <laughs> yeah. I like my HBO Go. That's my one thing that might keep me on. Yeah, well, well, and then that's fine. Then that'll be the system that you can use. Because remember, Microsoft has been very go. clear that you can do whatever you want with our systems. You just can't necessarily do it on the one system. Okay, well, you might need both systems. Realize this though that. That would be you'd be paying fifteen bucks a month for HBO Go. Yeah, but there's also other stuff. HBO. I get ESPN, I get uh, Fox Now, I get all, all right. these things where I can watch <laughs> on demand. It's nice. All right. Well, good, good for you. But you know what? Hey, fifteen dollars might be worth, the, or it's actually just sixty dollars a year because I pay it all up front. But that might be worth Game of Thrones when I want it. But mm. since since we are the used gamers, it's notable for anybody who's going through the same thing that quite frequently um, memberships, year long annual twelve month memberships for either of those services are pretty regularly discounted through places like Amazon or Newegg.com or other sort of eBay, tech outlets like that. Buy, yeah, you, you can, you can get for 25 30 bucks. you can get a year membership sometimes if yeah, you time you it right. Find it. And you can be one of those people that buys 20 of them <laughs> and then you're just set for life. So uh, give them to your friends. So yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a cool time to be a gamer right now and we are particularly excited to be one step behind the curve. It's a very comfortable place that we live. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of current slash last-gen gaming, um, we wanted to dig right into some games that we've been playing. It's been a while since we've uh, we've talked about anything we've been playing, and there's been lots of little games here and there, but there were some big ones that we wanted to kind of hit on. And uh, we're going to start with Mike, who's been playing, I guess you could call it a new, quote-unquote new, and he'll explain that, uh, version of XCOM. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really an ex- expansion. For any of you guys who played XCOM Enemy Unknown, you know, you probably know they came out with an expansion recently called XCOM Enemy Within. The problem is, is that for the if you bought it on PC, then it's just an expansion. You buy the extra disc, you play, you know, you install it, and boom, there you go, you get all this extra stuff. If you bought it on a console like I did, well, then you have to buy the whole new thing, which includes the original game, um, which kind of stinks because you're like, oh, now I have to buy this whole new thing. But the cool thing is, is it also comes with all the DLC from the original one. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, you can trade in your old one like I did towards something else. Um, so, yeah, so I got to play uh, Enemy Within, which is really cool. They added in, you know, they had all the DLC from the original one as well as the, the new additions that they added really focused around two main things, which was this new material called Meld and then this new enemy called the Exalt Forces. So the meld was probably the coolest part. It allows you to kind of augment your soldiers. Um, one way was by mutating them. There was a, a couple of different areas where you could mutate your soldiers, where you could get them where they could jump up on top of two-story buildings, or they could regenerate health, or they could turn invisible, or they could hmm. repel psionic attacks. All these really cool abilities that you could morph your, your team into getting. Um, or you could augment them into turning them into uh, mech warriors, which basically they put on this gigantic mech suit that they, you can upgrade and that you take them out into battle. And that was probably my favorite part, was the Mech Warriors. Because the, the modding your guys with the mutations was really cool. It really helped you out, um, because they do add some new enemies. 
to it, um, including an enemy mech warrior, which is pretty tricky, as also like a stealthing um, one called the Stalker. So those guys were uh, very, very tricky. They would disappear the second you saw them, and they would sneak up on somebody who you had maybe off by themselves, and they would wrap them up, and they could just strangle them. So each turn they'd take health away, and that mm. person's basically out of the game until you free them. So it really kind of made you think about where you positioned, because you couldn't just stick your sniper up on a building by themselves, because then they'd get killed. Yeah. Um, but uh, lots of other, uh, you know, uh, cool stuff with that. And of course, with the mech warriors, like they had their own special abilities, and they were built just to stand out in the middle. They weren't built to take cover. Like it's a very cover-based kind of game. It's all based on strategically placing your forces. The mechs you just send right into the center. And they have these. They start out with these big Gatling guns, and you upgrade them to get flamethrowers and grenade launchers. Their job is just to like rain chaos on everything while <laughs> being able to take large, large amounts of damage. Um, so I had a lot of fun playing around with those. Um, the Exalt Forces was also kind of interesting. Um, it adds a little bit more of a storyline to the game, and it's basically there's this group called Exalt that has decided to. They're like you know, in every Alien movie, there's always that group that's like we should be friends with the aliens and let them take over us. Well, that's kind of what these guys have done. They've augmented themselves with alien DNA, and they are basically trying to, you know, mess up your whatever you're trying to do. So they'll actually try to hack into your base, so you have to constantly be scanning and finding their forces. And your whole goal is to figure out which country is harboring their secret base, which you do through intel scans, and then it sends you on a mission to where you send one of your guys on covert operation, and then you got to go rescue them and get the info. And you basically just narrow it down until you find their exact base. Um, and it's kind of interesting because you can, once you get a, a certain amount of ones, you can pick to raid, like, if you can just guess which country it is, you can choose to raid them for the base. If you're wrong, though, that country leaves your alliance. So they don't support so, you financially. Yeah, it's a big risk to take to do it a little bit too early, but the longer you take. And if they hack into you, they, they can steal large chunks of your cash, basically, if you're not constantly on them. Like, trying to find out where they are. Because I had one time where all of a sudden it was like, Exalt is hacked in and stole $600. <laughs> That's a lot of money in that game. So it was... Uh, but it just adds a lot of new kind of stuff to it. Um, I mean, the basic gameplay is still the same. The main storyline is still the same. It just adds a couple of new little extra things to it. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed messing around with all the new meld stuff. Um, that was really entertaining. And a lot of the new things they added to it. Um, so yeah, I would say if you uh, played XCOM Enemy Unknown and you liked it a lot, I would definitely suggest Enemy Within. It was a lot of fun, and definitely try out the Mech Warriors because those guys are 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 really really fun. What would you say was your? You beat the game, right? Yes. So what would both. you say was your total sort of time commitment? Going oh my through gosh. This game? Um, I mean, it's a lot. Um, you have the advantage of both, you've already played the original game. Yeah, and so. when both times I played through, when I played through the original and then when I played through the new ones, both times I played through about halfway and then stopped and reloaded again because mm -hmm. I realized Made you kind of went a different way. Yeah. yeah, it's you have to kind of plan a certain way because you can find yourself kind of finding you know ended up in a hole if you don't plan correctly. Jeez, um, I I I couldn't even stop to think how much time and it's addictive. Because you can just sit there and continue to do missions over and over. Because right. there's certain missions that are your priority missions, which advance the storyline along. You can just never do those and just continually do alien abductions, alien abductions, or, or terror attacks over and over and over again until you just got completely sick of the game. And never do the actual storyline. Which I think is kind of fun, because you can kind of play it however you want. So if you want it to take a little longer, you want to build up your squad a little bit more before you move on, you can do that. Or if you want to just shoot right through it really quick, you can do that. It, it's kind of up to you. Hmm. That's interesting because it, there's that part of me, and it's the same feeling I had when I played the new Fire Emblem game this this earlier this year where 
the strategy RPGs, at least for me, and I think Jared feels similarly, it's like, it, it walks, I, I know there's cool stuff in there that I need to figure out how to unlock, but at some point it just kind of sounds like you're doing your taxes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, oh no, I <laughs> Jared to, looks I exhausted just listening to this. I... That I can't. I'm gonna make you play. This. I can't. I, you, you probably are just to punish me. We talked about doing that. I know you're games. gonna make me play Portal. So yeah, and you're gonna <laughs> thank us for it. So this will be different between you and I. But um, there's the one of the biggest problems with me is I so loathe permadeath that I'm like my own neuroses won't let me play these games because I'm like oh, oh see that's died. just why you save and Bye. reload. I, I, I never like, have oh. anybody die because I just reload. God, reload. that drives me crazy. Because you put all this effort and time into making this character, especially now that you put all this money and meld into like yeah. upgrading them. It, if your mech warrior dies after they're fully upgraded, that's a lot of stuff you invested into that yeah. character. So no, I'm reloading that yeah. game. Listen, it sounds like a complicated math problem. <laughs> I feel like it's like trigonometry of the game. Like that is that is the style of games for me. Yeah. I just, oh, they just painful for me. And see, usually I hate <sighs> games where you have like a base that you have to take care of uh, that mix in the RPG and the strategy. Like usually I like it one or the other. You right. know, I love my StarCraft and I love my Mass Effect, but I don't want them mixed together. I don't want to have a base to take care of in Mass Effect. You know, and just like in StarCraft, I don't want to like upgrade stuff too much. But for some reason, XCOM just puts it together in a way that just makes me oh so happy. So I don't know. Well, it's and it's cool because I think that uh, these games did well. I think they sold pretty well, and uh, it's cool because I think it kind of puts a little more life into a genre that's very specific, mm-hmm. and probably a lot of people haven't spent a lot of time with. I mean, that's one of the coolest things of these last few years is that we've seen these like essentially dead genres get to come back, like oh, adventure yeah. games. Point and click adventure games, like strategy RPGs, oh, like, yeah. and you know, so there's there's enough slight differences of flavor of each of them that I think if you pick the right entry point, you could probably find one of any of these genres that might be your like good entry to it. Yeah. So it's worth poking around, I think, just to, uh-huh. to see what you think. Well, that's very very cool. So um, going from that, from Mike's uh, experience with XCOM, Jared has been spending a lot of time with another game called Knights and Dragons. Yeah, so I, I kind of randomly came across this game. I don't even remember how I found it, but I've been spending a lot of time on my phone because just quite frankly, I have daughter and it's hard. it's been hard for me to get on the console a lot. I haven't been on it a lot in, um, since the last podcast, really. And uh, so I play a lot on the phone, which is nice because it's just, you know, I can play it at lunch and stuff like that. Right. They're really bite-sized kind of games, which are fun. And and this one just really grabbed me because it, it, it does a lot of different things. So it it's not as basic as it sounds. The name is so basic sounding. But um, basically what happens is you have like this. Cowboys and aliens. Yeah, right. <laughs> You have this. You have a knight, and uh, very early on, and a dragon, and you get you don't have any dragons actually. Um, <laughs> spoiler, Mike. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> and um, very early on, you actually get a team of knights that work with you, and these are all NPCs. And and basically, the way it works is there are all your NPCs are a certain element type. So there's like wind, mystic, fire, earth, water, and you know the different ones are strong against different other ones, mm-hmm. right? And the the knights you have can only wear armor of the type that they are. Although you can get armor of multiple types overlapping, so they can wear a few different armor sets. And basically what you do is you, you at the same time as you find go on all these quests to build experience and gain money, you also build this little town. And in your town you can do things like craft armor, and then you have, which is most of what you do besides farming money there. And then, um, so you do all these things to try and get you and your knights powerful and build money to craft and buy new armors, and then you have to farm the levels to get the... Um, crafting materials to build your 
to build well no oh. the town used to build money oh, okay. um, the farming materials that you can use to build your armors okay because the armors really would upgrade you because your leveling doesn't give you a lot um, it's helpful but it doesn't give you a ton so you do this for a while and then you hit a point where it becomes a, a multiplayer game which is what's really grabbing me about it where you you join a guild or you start one if you want because you can just start one easily and they're very small um, they're at level you can level up your guild by doing challenges but um, guilds that start are like 10 people to start, and then as you level up, you can add more people. And um, you go through these little guild wars where you fight against other guilds for rewards, which is basically new armors, and, and then um, gems, which are kind of the premium item to buy stuff. You know, you can earn gems in the game, and you can buy gems with money. That's their microtransaction. That's how they make money. Um, although I haven't had to buy any, and I'm having... I never do microtransactions, but... Um, and I've still been able to have success, so it's still fun. And you get in these little guild wars where you fight, and, and then there's um, individual arena battles you can do all the time. And things. So there's just... It's a fairly simple game. You know, it's an energy-based game, so you can only play it so much at one time. You mm. know, until it's like, all right, we'll come back later, and your, you know, your heroes will have healed back up, or your... It's not... It's only within the guild battles that actually you'll run out of amounts, or the arena, that you'll run out of amount that you can play. Um, and just the the questing, you can play until your hit points run out, and then you, they'll they'll come back at a slow rate. Although you can buy potions to uh, get your health up, and I just it's just really grabbed me. It's just such a fun game to sit down and say, all right, I got ten minutes. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna play around with this, and then okay, good. And they also have, especially with the gems, it's this the really great blind box thing where it's you know <laughs> open this thing and you can get who knows what you're gonna get. You could get something really good though, and and I did. I got this awesome armor set, and it was amazing. And um, really early on, I was really lucky actually to get one so early. But it's, so it's got that aspect to it, the blind box thing, and the the I've just really been enjoying it. So and I just wanted to put it out there to recommend it. Really fun phone game. I have I have an Android phone. I don't know if it's on um, iPhones. It probably is. And uh, just fun fun phone game to to check out. What is the actual? Okay, so what those are like the systems. Like what is the actual gameplay? Like how how are you interacting with the phone? And like what is that achieving? Yeah, you um, it's it's pretty preset. Like you go to an area and it just it'll just say okay, you set up which knights you want to take. It's like three D, two D. Like what is it? Like how is it presented? Like um, it it's two, well, it's two D. Okay. And you just go say, like, okay, where do you want to go? To an area. You tap on that area. It says, okay, there are five battles to get to the boss. The bosses will give you the really good farming stuff. You hit battle, and you'll start attacking. And the only thing that you can really affect is that after a few attacks, you build up a power attack, and you can choose when to use that. Oh, okay. Otherwise, it basically plays... So it's plays, like an auto-battle. It auto-battles. Okay. Yeah, it basically plays itself out. Okay. And, um as it's going along. So that that is the one functionality you have is those power attacks because sometimes you want to hold on to them for mm. a little bit, but you get those pretty quickly. So it's it's a fairly auto battle kind of system. Yeah, it's not it's very simple game. It's not that complicated. Um, the guild battles get a little more complicated when you're going head to head with the other teams because you have a guild sentinel who until he gets defeated, they can't attack the other people in your guild and you're trying to you want to attack the other guild because the more damage you do to them, the more times you defeat them, the more points you get. And the points you get puts you up on the leaderboard rankings, and the higher leaderboard rankings get you the really cool rewards. Hmm. Right? So it's just, um, you know, and they do these guild wars every couple weeks, and they're like three days long. And they'll go, and you all have to attack the guild at the same You want to attack at the same time because you only have an hour um, every war to attack. Like, we attacked a guild once at, like, 2 in the morning, and they didn't even... They were in bed, I think, because no one attacked us back at all. <laughs> and we annihilated them, of course, because they weren't even there. Now, they'll defend themselves automatically. If you attack them, they're, it'll auto-battle back. But if they don't attack you at all, they can't really get any points. So, um... Just a neat game. And what and what determines when those battles happen? Does the, you, the system just tells you? Nope, or does you somebody go in and the you guild choose someone. that? Okay. You go and you say, I'm going to attack this guild. Okay. And then it goes, oh, cool. And you fight it. 
But you're not just doing that by yourself? Other people are doing that as well? There are different positions in guilds, and if you're in a command position, you can choose when your guild attacks. Oh, okay. So, like, if you're new and you're not in a command... And depending on the level of your guild, it tells you the number of command positions you have. So the higher level your guild, the more command positions you get. Which is nice, because, you know, having... Commanders get little bonuses to, to their attack and defense. So you mm-hmm. want to have a lot of commanders in your group if you can. And and once you decide to attack a guild, it, it's on. And everyone has to do it at the same time. Do you get sent like a little message on your phone saying, you know, so-and-so has attacked another guild, come join yeah, um, it'll. Uh, I haven't seen anyone, which surprised me. I thought there'd be a little message on your phone. And when you join the game, it'll tell you immediately. Uh, but I only went through my first guild war the other day, because there's not a lot. Most guilds, a lot of guilds won't let you in until you're at least level 30. So I played the game for a while. Which is good to get to know the game and build some strength before I got into it. And um, I just did my first Guild War, so um, I didn't get any things with that, though, where it said, hey, you're Guild... And if I jumped into the game, it immediately said, oh, you're in a Guild War, go do it. And and I would, and, that, and it was a lot of fun. The Guild War was a lot of fun. It just felt like kind of intense for some reason. Because I like I like that they make them an hour. It's so short. Mm. you know. And then you, you attack a bunch of guilds over those three, as many as you want, or as few as you want. You want to attack a lot, you're usually better off, but... Hmm. Um, yeah, you just end up attacking, fighting a lot of guilds, and so we only ever attacked. I never got attacked. Um, I never got attacked and didn't see it. So, um, but yeah, I just, I just really been having a lot of fun with it. When I pull out my phone, it's, uh, I got, you know, I got a whole bunch of games on my phone, right? You know, and um, it's the first game I'm always ready to play. That's the one you. Play. It's the one I want to play first. If, it's, if I'm only going to play one at a time, it's the one that I play. Is there an end game that you're building towards, or is it sort of like the system is the game itself? And no, the it system is play the game. forever. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's a. You know, I don't really know, actually. There is a, an antagonist called the Dark Prince who actually just sends you messages um, mocking you, basically. <laughs> like, really sarcastically. But you can't even fight him? Yeah, they're kind of <laughs> funny. And um, mocking you, and like, I, I guess you're trying to defeat him, but it's clearly not the purpose of the game, but it's it's part of the storyline, which there's very little of. And then... Um, they just stuck it in there to have it. I guess. Probably. It gives you, a, like, in the individual stuff you play through to, like, build up your character a little bit sometimes... Because that's the only way to earn experience. You don't earn experience from the Guild Wars. Mm. You just earn um, armor and points. And uh, so that's happening, but it, it seems fairly irrelevant. Like, I'm working towards that, I guess, is what I would say. But I don't know if there's actually an end game to that portion of it. Right. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, all you're just really trying to do is make yourself powerful and your guild powerful. Because you want everyone in your guild to be strong, basically. And it helps you. By, by by farming this stuff, by building this stuff. And it's got a good pacing of reward, I feel like. Like, I've been building, as I've been playing this for the last few months, I've been consistently able to build up my armor. And your armor, by the way, as you build armor, you sacrifice it to the, your armors to level them up, too. So you don't just get an armor set, and you're like, oh, great, I got this armor. Like, you get a good armor set, you got to spend a lot of time to build it up, too. Hmm. So they get you to invest your time, which right. is, always makes you feel more rewarded. So... Um, yeah, it's pretty neat. So I guess, I, is there an end game? Um, maybe, kind of, but not really, no. Really, because the point of the game really is right. these guild wars. That's like the main focus of the game. And it's the thing I've had the most fun with within it, too. The rest of it is, so sometimes it's a little grinding, you know. But it's so short, it doesn't feel like grinding. Because mm-hmm. you do, you can only play it for so long before your health is going to drop and you have to take a break anyway. So even if, like, you can't, it doesn't feel like grinding when you're only doing it for five minutes at a time. Right. You know, it's just not, not going to be that way, you know? <laughs> I just think it's so interesting, like, hearing, you know, these last two discussions of these very, very different games where, were you to be somebody listening to these discussions who, who knows nothing about video games at all, it, they, they both sound like these incredibly complex 
deep systems, which in their own way, I think that they probably are. What I think is really interesting about uh, these sort of RPG type games that are making their way onto cell phones is the fact that that these really deep systems that have to fit into these really simple sort of frameworks, because mm-hmm. like you said, you want people to be able to just get in, have fun with a short period of time, feel rewarded. Like the RPG setup is pretty ideal in a lot of ways for, for that like constant payoff of mm-hmm. constant reward. Right. I mean, new because armor, new levels, leveling new items, like, and this is, right. this has Loot. been around for decades and decades and decades, but it's, it's interesting to see how this has kind of, taken over this new right. medium. Well, it's the fun-sized candy bar version of that thing, right? Yeah. It's your bite-sized version of it, which is great. Right, because you can make that constant progression, and, mm-hmm. and you have to be, or else you're just going to... You literally have no financial investment in this, so were it to lose your interest, then you're out I'll nothing just let to it go. just stop I'll playing. Okay, I'll let it go. Well, I'm going to check that out and see if that's something on iOS. That'd be fun to All play right. with. Well, I'll give you a friend code. We'll get bonuses. Woo! Oh, fantastic. Yeah, see, they do that. That's oh, one money. of those things. And yeah. they have to integrate with Facebook and Twitter. No, you all. don't. Nice. No Facebook and Twitter, which is great for me because I'm like a social media hater. <laughs> that's awesome. why. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really get into that that much. So there was actually no Facebook interaction with this, mm. which I thought was... Um, Shocking and awesome for me. So very nice. Yeah, nice and dragons. Shocking and awesome. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, from one portable game to another. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I wrapped up uh, a game that I downloaded on my 3DS, which is going to be like apparently my current gen system. I'm going to be sticking with for the next like year or two <laughs> because that apparently, if you watch. Uh, the VGX Awards or uh, the Nintendo Directs that are coming out, that's the machine that Nintendo's putting, like, all their eggs in the basket of, of their 3DS. This thing has become a monster. It's a ma- it's a money-printing machine, the same way the oh, DS yeah. was, the same way the Wii was. And um, so on their eShop, uh, I came across this game that I had heard some good things about called Steam World Dig, A Fistful of Dirt. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the heck this is all about. Um, just some random little indie game that uh, I forget was probably 7 or $8. But the basic conceit of this game is uh, I, I really like uh, the sensibilities of a lot of like 8- and 16-bit RPG games, particularly things like platformers and puzzle platformers and any other kind of platformers. I really like those games. But um, And I also really like games like... Uh, Symphony of the Night or like Super Metroid that have these sort of uh, gated systems where you're constantly making your way through a non-linear world that you know you're gaining new upgrades and powers and abilities that allow you to access areas that you couldn't access before which has been in everything from the original Metroid to the Arkham games for Batman. I mean it's you know this is a very very widespread thing in gaming but um the idea of this game is you play this little steam powered robot named Rusty who's just this cute little metal robot who's been uh, sort of left this mining town by his uncle, who's also a steam-powered robot. There's no humans (laughs) in this game. There's just all little steam-powered robots. They're really cool. And uh, the idea is you have to figure out what happened to your uncle, and you have to figure out, like, what's going on in the town. So instead of, uh, like, a Metroid game or one of the, like, more modern Castlevania games where you have to just start exploring the world and verticality and going, you know, level-to-level, world-to-world you basically just go down because you're a mining robot and your uncle was a mining robot. So your your town is on the surface level and the whole game happens just by going down into the screen. So it's a weird, like, Dig Dug throwback. If Dig Dug never reset the level, it only ever continued to go down. I think it's also got some roguelike elements in that the world is sort of procedurally generated every time you log into it. It's It's 
the the mine sort of changes orientation. Mm-hmm. But when you dig that sort of pathway, which is just a straight blocky pathway, will stay there. That never goes away. So you're sort of constantly building this weird ant hill underneath you that allows you to traverse the levels and. There's minerals and ore and gems just sort of hiding all over the place. And it's this constant battle where with games like, uh, well, like some of the rogue games or like the, I forget what the other ones. There, Nintendo's made a bunch of them recently, like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon and Shirin the Wanderer. The idea is you have this world that's very difficult and very punishing. And if you die, you kind of lose everything. So it's this constant like push a little bit harder Retreat back to town. Push a little bit harder. Retreat back to town to sell the things that you've acquired and upgrade your abilities and things like that. You have a a lamp functionality, which is constantly running down. So as you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, the sort of field of vision around you gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so the idea is you want to keep going deeper to see what other things you can find, whether you can unlock other little ancillary mines that'll take you to a little bonus level, or you'll just find like more expensive gems that, but then you, you can't go too far because then it'll get so dark that it's really difficult to figure out how to get back out again. So it's one of these games that, um, like the Trials games on Xbox Live, which is a s- sort of exquisite form of torture if you haven't played those games, um, there's like an auto-kill button because you can get yourself to a point where you're just like, I did, ah, and you just have to sort of commit suicide because there's no way sort of out of the situation you've gotten yourself into. But um, as you go deeper and deeper into the ground... Your pickaxe that you have becomes less and less effective, so it takes more strikes. So you upgrade to a big drill on your arm, like the Big Daddy in the Bioshock games. And then you have, like, a huge, like, uh, Infinity Gauntlet, like, fist that can, like, punch through anything. (laughs) But um, it's super fun, and it's that thing that, just like Jared said, like, if the system itself is the reward, then you don't really think so much about, like, well, what's the end game? I mean, I think I Mm -hmm. probably beat it in, like... Six hours? Eight hours? Which I've talked about before. Like, I'm beginning more and more to think that... That's your with some, zone. With some specific exceptions, that's... Yeah, that's my sweet spot. That, like, eight to ten hours... There's so many games I want to play in this world that if they could all just be eight to ten hours, that'd be great. Because then I could just keep playing more games. Um, but, yeah, and it's, it's cool because it's well-written. New characters get introduced, and there's, like... There's basically a hammerlock character who's a very proper British gentleman with a weird metal mustache, and then there's sort of the sassy burlesque saloon owner robot, and they all you know have different items for you to upgrade, and it's it's got that thing where by the end of the game you've you've upgraded your systems to where you've got this ridiculous quadruple jump, and you've got these steam powered like just fists of death that you can just knock anything and everyone out with, and it's just it's one of those things where it just this it kind of stacks on top of itself. And it's another game where, um, like Mario 3D Land that I talked about in the past, I really feel like the 3D actually added something to the oh, experience. Nice. Because it's such a gimmicky thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of mostly died in movies, which makes me happy. It really died in console gaming. Like, Sony didn't really go anywhere with its 3D gaming. And Nintendo went so far as to release a whole new console that doesn't have 3D called the 2DS, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around a little bit. You take the one thing their system was built around, you take it out, 
apparently it's selling very well. Because it's just gimmicky. It just, after a while, your brain kind of doesn't see it anymore. Yeah. But uh, just something about the way that they've got the scrolling set up, it just, it does add this sort of special depth to it to have the 3D. So I think I left it on the whole time. But again, silly little game, not a huge time commitment. It wasn't that expensive, but I had a heck of a lot of fun, fun time with it. I had some really, really, really big plane flights that I had to be on over the last month. And this is the game that kind of got me through that. So if you're looking for just sort of little bite, size chunk of an experience that's not too short but not too terribly long it's not expensive uh steam world dig fistful of dirt tons of fun i really really enjoyed it so another sort of portable game for somebody to sink their teeth into but uh it's not all portable nice. games there's still big games big games is what we want to end with tonight because we got a couple of big games that we want to wrap up uh one of which being uh our first sort of uh experience with i guess a cross-gen title because we're in that weird place now where games are coming yeah. out on ps3 and ps4 xbox one and xbox 360 so mike has gotten to be the first of us to sink his teeth into assassin's creed for black flag tell us all about it jared and i are jealous <laughs> yeah i'm gonna borrow what you done I, I got it i got it for christmas so thanks mom uh what? but uh wait a second hey your mom's a time traveler we know what date it is but she said uh, she wanted to see me playing it so i was like what am i gonna do love. say no absolutely not Oh, so, you're yeah. so good to your mom. Yeah, I know. So, uh, <laughs> so no, I, I've gotten to play Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Really enjoying it. Um, I was a huge fan of the naval part of, of Assassin's Creed 3. Me too, I liked it. So I was really excited to do it in this. It's it's very different in this one. There's a lot more involved, but I think it's because in this one it's not just like a side little gimmick. It's the main mechanic. Because mm-hmm. in the end, your character is a pirate. And that's kind of, you know, through pirating you collect booty, which you sell for money to upgrade stuff, or you mm-hmm. gain materials to upgrade stuff. You can, you know, turn them into your fleet, you can repair your ship, you can do all this stuff. And so the main mechanic around it is all pirating. And you have this huge world, I mean, the biggest Assassin's Creed ever, by far, that you can sail around in and do all these things. Yes. Three was huge. It's ridiculously big. Two was huge compared to one, so it's just kind of, like, exponentially. exponentially, Yeah, exactly. Assassin's Creed Five, you won't be able to get across one side to the other. But I feel like every game is doing that. Every game's getting bigger and bigger as they push it. Um, But it's it's a lot of fun. The character is Edward Kenway, um, is is the character you're playing as, which he's very interesting because he, you know, is a pirate. Um, He basically is this nobody kind of guy who... You know, he marries the girl of his dreams, but he wants, you know, to give her the life that she deserves, blah, blah, blah. So he decides the only way he can do that is becoming a pirate. So he leaves her and sails off. And you get little flashbacks, you know, of his time when he was with her in London. But now, of course, he's in the Caribbean. He's living his whole pirate life. And how he ends up in the middle of the Assassin Templar kind of battle, he kind of just stumbles into it. And the whole interesting thing is all the other characters you've played as have always been these really honorable kind of characters. They have a sense, you know, like a moral kind of code. They do things because it's the right thing. Well, at they're, least eventually. Yeah, they're kind of championshipping, like, you know, good or whatever. I mean, Ezio was kind of a punk in the beginning of 2. Yeah, but in the, yes, in the beginning. You always kind of start off, like Altair was kind of prideful. No, that's true, he was arrogant. But this guy, I mean, he is in it for himself. He All he wants is gold. You know, if the assassins want his help, they have to pay him. The only reason he's against the Templars is because they pissed him off. You know, it's it's kind of like that. And, you know, how he originally gets his assassin's gear is kind of interesting. I don't want to spoil anything because it's kind of at the beginning of the game. But it's just kind of, it's an interesting change, you know, which, which I'm kind of enjoying. Um, there's tons and tons of stuff to do. Of course, there's the pirating. You can also go harpooning for fishing. It's basically hunting in the sea because there's also hunting on land. 
mm-hmm. you can use that for crafting. Um, there's treasure hunting. You can find maps. It's kind of similar if you ever played Red Dead Redemption, the map system where mm-hmm. you find the maps and it shows like a landmark and you got to find that Red landmark. Red Red and, and, oh, I hated that. It's basically <laughs> like that. It's a lot of fun. The one thing I, I am weird about this game is that People always seem to bury treasure just this far below. Like, it's like just an inch below the ground. Like, why has nobody ever found this? Really? Like, you just kind of brush some sand away and like, oh, look, there's a chest. (laughs) So, anyway. But, um, of course, there's assassin contracts, um, uh, which are kind of interesting because they give you a little bonus if you stay out of combat for all of them. Um, They're a lot of fun. Although, a lot of times, they'll be on a whole other island, so you have to sail over there. Um, But it does have a lot of quick travel options. As soon as you visit an island, you can quick travel there at any time. Nice. And every time you synchronize a viewpoint, it becomes a quick travel. And you can quick travel to anyone. (laughs) So you can be out on your boat at sea and quick travel to a viewpoint on an island. So once you start discovering stuff, you can move around a lot quicker. But it's kind of like with a lot of the other open world games where you don't necessarily want to because part of the fun cool. part is sailing around and doing all the side stuff. Um, there's underwater um, levels where you go down to like wreckage and search for treasure. Um, those are kind of interesting because there will be sharks swimming around and it's kind of more of a, a cat and mouse kind of thing because you don't have any kind of offensive abilities and of course you're running out of air so you have to hit these little barrels that have air and, and search for treasure. Um, so those are really fun. And, of course, you have your main kind of storyline, which has been really interesting. Um, you also do have the part where you play outside of the character. Um, you don't play as Desmond as, as this one, so I don't want to give any spoilers away. So if you want to know why you don't play as Desmond, you got to go play Assassin's Creed 3. But you play, actually, as it's kind of interesting. It's basically Abstergo, which we all know is the Templars in modern times, have created a video game design company. And they're using it. They've... They're using it to access the memories of Desmond's ancestors, and they have these video game testers who they just think they're video game testers, and they go in and they play on the Animus, which is supposed to be like this new game system that can access these people's genetic memories, and you play through these levels to kind of test them out. So you're the main game tester for Black Flag, their new game, which is about this pirate named Kenway. Um, so you're you're playing through this, basically trying to find a new first civilization artifact for the Templars. It's their secret way of accessing the stuff. They're trying to find somebody to replace Desmond for them, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so your character is this game designer, and you slowly start to find yourself locked into the Assassin Templar battle. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting how that works out. Um, but I've really been enjoying the game. You know, the storyline's really good. The characters are all very interesting, very well kind of made up. You run into famous pirates like Blackbeard and Calico Jack and Anne Bonnie, and they're all very... Uh, drawn out very well. Um, there's lots and lots of different missions from, you know, missions out on your boat where you have to go attack ships or, or attack a fort to, you know, you're you're also, I mean, a lot of people are worried, is it just going to be on your boat? No, there's tons of stuff on land. Um, you can go raid warehouses on land and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of your missions are on land. So it's a, a very interesting kind of balance. Um, the sea battles definitely, like I said, are a lot more intense. Um you have to pick and choose your strategy and upgrade your ship properly. And, I mean, you can be sitting there fighting five ships at once, all blasting at you at the same wow. time. And meanwhile, a storm can come through and hit. The weather system is really interesting because you can just be sailing along and all of a sudden, like, you'll see a water spout and the sky gets dark and or it'll start raining or, or be windy. Um, the storms are really interesting because you can come sailing in after a storm and all these ships will be sinking and then you can go board them and rob wow, them. <laughs> so it's kind of an easy way to make a quick score. Um, but a little... A trick I will give that I figured out on this one is that if you ever, if you guys are playing Black Flag and you find yourself in the middle of a really intense ship battle, and you maybe you're fighting a big ship or a lot of uh, ships, 
and you find yourself kind of low on, you know, your ship is kind of dying. You're low on health. Um, if you happen to notice a smaller ship, like a schooner or a gunboat, target them immediately. Knock them down low enough to where you can board them. And it seems a little weird, like, why board a ship in the middle of a battle? Well, because nobody attacks you while you're boarding. It actually gives you a little break. And your ship's health will regenerate? Well, yeah. When you take over a ship, because you have a choice of either sinking the ship and you get part of its cargo, or you can board it and you get all of its cargo. And then once you board it, you can choose to either use it to repair your ship, use it to lower your wanted level, or use it, or you can send it to your fleet, um, which kind of replaces the whole assassin brotherhood thing from the past ones, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, so you can use it to repair your ship right in the middle of battle, and then you come out and you have extra health, and then you can go back to fighting again. <laughs> so I use that a lot. It was it was a nifty little trick that I've learned. But the um, the Kenway's fleet, which is something I want to talk about, which is pretty cool, it, it kind of takes over the Assassin's thing, where you can get these ships, and you have to upgrade your thing to carry more ships, but there's different ships are better for different things. Like, schooners are faster, frigates are more tougher, you know, and brigs do more damage. Um, all these different abilities, and you send them out on missions, whether it's ship battles to clear out lanes, or, or, or missions where you basically send cargo to get extra cash. Um... The really cool thing about it is they also they also have a companion app for Assassin's Creed 4, which if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you should definitely get it. It's really cool because you can use it um, as a second screen, so you can look at your map and it's real time. Like you can set markers on it, you can look at stuff, um, you can uh, you know access your fleet, look at treasure maps, which is really cool because I found it annoying to look at the treasure map, then look at the map, then look at the treasure map on the screen. Right. So what I can do is I can have just the treasure map set up on my phone and then just do everything else on the TV. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of cool. And um, the Kenway's fleet actually works really well with the companion app because you can actually do your fleet stuff anywhere. You don't even have to have your Xbox on. Mm -hmm. Like I can be at work or just, you know, uh, sitting somewhere bored, just log on really quick, see what rewards I got from when they return, send them off on new missions, and then, you know, just turn it off. And then by the time, you know, I go back to play Black Flag, they've come back with new rewards. So. Oh. It's 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 been a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying it. I haven't got a chance to finish it, and I haven't got a chance to try out any of the multiplayer. Um, but so far, it's, it's been really good. Yeah, I'm not really. <laughs> I haven't know, tried it yet. I I'm not even that. really trying to get to the multiplayer, to be honest. But um, I really am enjoying it. So uh, I think once again, I think they did a great job with three. Thank goodness after Revelations. Um, and I think four is also a good step in the right direction. And there are a lot of teasers when you're playing as the main character, the one in real time where they kind of tease at a lot of stuff for future Assassin's Creed games. So uh, definitely go check that out if you get the chance. But, uh, yeah, Black Flag. Are you game. playing this on 360? Yes. I'm curious, like, I, I what I, I really, really liked Assassin's Creed. That was, that was like, I really liked that game a lot. Two was this, like, revolutionary step up for me. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Three, I'm not even that far into, but, like, oh, the, one of the opening scenes of Assassin's Creed 3 where you're... Who you are, whatever. You're Hatham Kenway. You're not Connor yet. Spoiler. Um, that doesn't. It's the beginning of the game. You should know this by now. You're not um, giving away the big spoiler. Yeah. No. 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 Um, but the 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 scene where you're you go into the theater was one of the first things you have to do. Yeah. That was one of the most impressive graphically like graphically impressive things that I've seen on these consoles yet. Like I kind of stopped for a second and my jaw kind of hit the floor. Like I'm looking at all these NPCs Amazing. walking around. It was gorgeous like does this game push that even farther like how does this game because we're playing it on you know 
the not ideal hardware now, right? Because we've got the newer consoles, which can push even harder. But Chris, I mean, I love that you just did air quotes for a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's important. No, I mean this game is huge. I mean, because if you zoom out, the map is gigantic, and you have this whole ocean. And as you zoom out, you see little red dots everywhere, and all those are ships mm-hmm. that you can attack. And they're all over the map. And, I mean, the water is constantly moving. There's storms rolling through. So there's tons of just information going by you at all times. Not to mention, a lot of the islands that you can visit, you don't even have to load into. You literally just sail up and stop the ship and jump off, and you're on the island running around doing stuff. That's cool. Some of the islands, like the bigger cities, yeah, you actually have to dock, and, like, you know, they're a separate kind of load to right. them. But majority of them, you just literally like pull up your ship and jump off. But and you're not seeing things like whole buildings or forests like popping in in the background. I mean, it no, does a pretty I good mean, job. There's of... no. I mean, I really don't. The only time you run into load screens is when you fast travel. Really, I mean, even the big cities that you get into, like they kind of they more have a load when you leave. I should say. Mm-hmm. I should. They they have a thing like, oh, do you want to fast travel out to sea? When you sail up to them, you just sail up, jump off your ship, and you run around and do stuff. But as soon as you get back on your ship to head out to sea, then you have to do a little load screen. But other than that, the only time you load is when you fast travel. So there's very, very few load screens for such a huge game. So yeah, there's tons of information on the screen. And you have all these little activities you can do, and animals running around, and people running around. Like All the people that are on these islands and all the ships that are out are all running around at the same time that you're sailing on the other side of the map. It's really cool. And I'm not surprised, because I believe I remember the last console... Last couple ago, whenever PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. you know that was I didn't have an Xbox then. I just had a PlayStation, but um, you know it was really some of the last few games were able to push the bullet on that machine. You yeah. know they were some of the most advanced games of that system. I know that seems obvious, but you know I'm not surprised to see that happen again, even if this is so long. Where they can these these machines are just what the developers learn to do with them mm-hmm. is amazing. Well, yeah, well, just what? look at the progression of the Assassin's Creed games through this console generation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just picture what the Assassin's Creed is going to be like at the end of the next console generation. Yeah. Like, what the... It's going to be an Abstergo machine that you just lie in. You're actually going to have, like, an Animus. Yeah, yeah it's an Animus. <laughs> that's, it, I feel, that's where it's going, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know, it's really, really good, um, really entertaining if you're into the Assassin's games, um, this oh, one. should be. This one, definitely. And you don't gotta, it's funny how, you know, I've found with the later ones, they've kind of done a, a job of where you, you have these people that are naturally skilled already, so you don't have to go through tutorial, you know, cause since Nathan, since uh, Kenway is already a pirate, of course he already has all the assassin skills, which I'm like, okay, I understand the swordplay and maybe some of the sneaking around, but you do everything exactly the same way the assassins do. And, like, as soon as you get the hidden blades, like, he automatically knows how to use them. I felt like that was a little bit... Like, I'm glad I didn't have to do a crummy tutorial, really, and mm-hmm. it's really short that's and quick. Nice. So that's great. But I, I find it funny sometimes. They're like, oh, he's just naturally good at this well, stuff. Well, you know, I'm sure they could suggest with the way they're playing the game that it's just part of his genetic memory. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah, right. I guess. <laughs> yeah. All modern assassins are based on pirate skills. That's Ooh. right. Hey. Huh. Sure we're based off of... People who killed people in the Middle East and, and, and Italy, <laughs> and Italy randomly, right? Also, but not World War Two. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is a little thing that tells you about how why they will never have an Assassin's Creed game in modern times. Anything after the automobile has been created pretty much is Ixnay. Huh. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. that's all right. We really don't want it to get to that anyway. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those things the where they just found a cool way to explain why they're not going to do something kind of stupid, which is yeah. Fun. I mean, the old stuff is part of what's fun about it. You don't want it to be. 
And that brings me to one thing I want to ask you is, is there, uh, there's a lot of gunplay. Does it get to a point where that's overwhelming? No, really, because of course, the big thing is, is how long it takes to reload these things, you know, so you got to imagine that. So when you have four of them, you know, because that's, I've only upgraded to where I have three of them. And even that, there are certain enemies that you fight that it takes more than one shot to kill them. So, yeah, there are certain low-level okay. ones where it's just bang, they're dead. Then there's others where it's twice, and then some where it's three. You know, so it's... Okay. So it's not, like, too much of a, like, bang, no. bang. Okay. No, I mean, you can... And there's so many enemies. Like, when you go to board a ship, pretty much the bottom deck opens up and people start pouring out. So you're, like, bang, bang, bang to kill, like, the first three, and then the rest of them you got to fight. Cool. So, you know, unless you can run around and just sit there and reload really quick before they come and try to kill you. But um, it's definitely combat's a little tricky in this one, too. Um, they got rid of, like, the dodge thing, it seems like. Or maybe I haven't figured out how to do it. I don't know, but it seems weird. But uh, it's... it's. I never dodged it's, anyway. That's right. Yeah. Why would you need to? You're an assassin. All yeah. offense. So I mean, encounters. Yeah, and, and because 3 was kind of a refinement of the earlier game, so you're saying it got, like, more complicated? Like, it's... it's how did the Not combat really. The change? combat is really pretty much the same. It's, it's very good. much like countering and, you know, breaking um, their... Uh, blocks and stuff like that um it's the same kind of combat can mode. you still easily flow from character to character oh yeah character? you can awesome. do kill streaks That's and you best. can do massive oh, ones and he's he's definitely very brutal and his just like uh you know connor and the uh, last one very brutal. brutal he's also brutal because he's a pirate so he's you're dual wielding swords you know he just freaking you know he just slashes people up gouges them he dirty fights you know he's he's a pirate so he has All no right. problem breaking the rules sweet very nice. Well, Jared and I look very much forward to dirty fighting. Oh yeah, at some point. <laughs> yeah, I've loved that series from the get go, so I'm really excited. All right, really excited. Well, speaking of excited, we want to wrap things up tonight with a game that we were all very, very excited to play. We're a little behind the game on this, but this is fun because this is a game that I still hear people talking about to this day because it, it did some pretty remarkable things uh, for what it was, and that was. Uh, our final game for the night, and that's uh, Diablo 3. We were very excited to uh, to pick this up, basically right at launch. Uh, we, for the console. For the console. Right. That's right. This is the modern console version of Diablo 3, uh, which we chose to play on PlayStation, mm -hmm. which, for whatever reason, seems to be the agreed-upon best way to play it. Um, we well, got tons of extra items. a lot of free stuff, yeah, too. Free stuff. So, so uh, yeah, I don't know where you guys want to dive into this discussion. I, I think basically what we did, and remind me if this is not what happened, but I think most of us played a significant amount of single-player game and then were able to jump in together with, let's say, a significant amount of difficulty yes. of playing this game together. Um, yeah, well, group-making was a hassle. Yes. That was the only real hassle, was trying to form the group. So trying to get Mike in with our group when after he, well, after that was he also, moved... There was no, there was, there was the update that came out, which I'm sure any of you guys who were playing Diablo 3 know about the PlayStation 3 update that basically made it where if you have a Belkin router, you can't play, can't play unless games, you have it yeah. plugged... Or, you can't play so, your PlayStation... So I guess that wasn't really... Yeah, so if I hook my PlayStation directly up through the modem, we could play. Right. But I can't do it with my router because I have to do all this extra stuff that I... It just sound, every everywhere I read sounded like it was way too much of a pain to even deal with. I was like, I'll just move yeah. into the other room with the, with but, the modem. Yeah, I played the whole game before we started playing together. I don't yeah. know if you guys did too. I, did too. I think I finished it after we started playing together. Okay. But we all finished the game by ourselves, we and did. then we also played some um, um, together. Several with, hours. Uh, definitely upped difficulty because we. I mean, I think we all played it through on normal by ourselves, which I think the consensus has been because I've talked. I have other friends who played it. Have said that normal is kind of. Too easy. Yeah, it's easy mode. It was not very. No, it wasn't challenging. I mean, really, I only wanted no. to ran into one part where I felt a little kind of. I think where I, I think died I like 
twice. I maybe used four potions the entire game. Yeah. Oh, I never used potions. I forgot about them. Yeah. yeah. You spec um, your character, right? You really don't need to. Yeah, I know. You're and, constantly and healing. So then when we got together and played together, what well, we put it on master level one, which it was normal. Yeah, we put it on one of the really hard- hardcore something, and then like master level uh, one. Nightmare, into, like, hardcore, <laughs> and then master one and master two. We put it on master level one difficulty because we're just like, all right, well, with three we people. We read the description and it seemed to fit. Yeah. yeah, and we're like, and you get increased loot, you know, the, 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 the there's benefits to weigh the. Yeah. The challenge. But it was it was definitely hard. I still remember one time where I, I was playing as a barbarian, so I didn't have any ranged attacks, and I was almost dead. So I was pretty much just running away from everybody <laughs> while you guys were running. But also, you you all had ranged attacks, so you could throw spells and stuff. Meanwhile, I'm just trying to stay alive. So it was it was it, it was definitely a change from being where I just dominated mm-hmm. to being, oh my gosh, there's two guys. I don't want to fight two guys at once. That's just too many. Yeah, and so the basic conceit, um, for those of you who have been under a rock for the last 20 years and don't know what Diablo is, is that um, you take this action adventure, or sort of action RPG, from the PC, which has been, um, your basic functionality is to make sure your clicking finger is really, really strong, because you're going to be doing a heck of a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Click to move, click to attack, um, and given the character's direct control by mapping that to a controller, which, as far as I'm concerned, worked freaking Fantastic. They did it amazingly well. No, I think that's the consensus. I think yeah. most people, even who play Diablo on the computer, play it with a controller. A controller, because it's built better for that now, yeah. Because yeah. just the moving and the attacking is just so much more fluid. Not to mention having the dodge hooked up to the right thumbstick oh, made huge. movement around the screen Hugely so much different. easier. Mm-hmm. You know? That was probably one of the things that I think was why the game was not as challenging, actually, on normal. is because I think that made the game... A bit easier. Whenever at any point you're going to get swarmed, you could just like almost every class had an area of effect. You drop an area of effect and then you dodge back. Yeah, or if if the enemy is using an area effect, it was easy to avoid. Just dodge over and you're out. Yeah, so I think that. I think it was also just. I don't know. I just felt it was just really easy because even people playing it on PC said it was easy. Yeah, your twelve-hour tutorial. (laughs) Or <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah, 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 I mean, but but really rewarding. I mean, th- this is the same discussion that we had when we played Borderlands, which, you know, Borderlands is just Diablo with guns. And, and Diablo kind of invented this genre. And as much as I, you know, just got done complaining about strategy RPGs being this thing that's kind of like this nut that I don't feel like I can quite crack, this, like, loot drop action RPG is, like, one of my absolute favorite kind of games ever. Oh, yeah. Like, I can think back to playing, like, Champions of Norath or uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance on PS2 and any like snowblind action RPG. Those studio makes these wonderful games, and this kind of feels like the culmination of a lot of different things. And it's funny because if you look at the game from a certain perspective, I can think of a lot a lot of sort of shortcomings of it. Like graphically, I was kind of disappointed at what it looked yeah, like. Yeah, it's not the prettiest first. game. I got over it real quick. Yeah, and you kind of forget about it. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, because you're so focused on loot, 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 loot. I mean, right. and that, that's so much more important. But part of that is that, I, I don't know, it, I felt like almost, and maybe this is just a concession made so that it can be a multiplayer game, but I feel like the camera was pulled out just a little bit too far. Like, you really can't see a heck of a lot of detail on yeah, your character. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could do that, on if you could zoom in on the computer or what, but I, I definitely felt that, and it could have to do with multiplayer, except for the fact that it's designed to where, I mean, you can all play together. Right. So maybe that's why, because it's supposed to be, you could play couch multiplayer. Right. So, 
I don't know if that was, but yeah, I would have liked every once in a while to be able to zoom in and actually see my character, you know, other than just pausing it and looking at the inventory. Like, it feels like it should just be like an R3 click away, right? And you'd be able to zoom in and out. But, but I mean, you know, that, that could very well be too, that, you know, we got into moments where, you know, we got attacked by some, you know, trash mob of bad guys. And, you know, if you've got Mike swiping in a club or an axe through swaths of enemies and then Jared and I just lighting up the screen with area of effect spells, like, it gets crazy. Like, the screen gets nuts. And so, it handled it really well. Yeah, and that, that never chugged. I mean, that, so that's pretty impressive. And that could be part of it, too. The fact that it has to be able to accommodate so many enemies and so oh, many effect right. particles. And, and it did like look that. good in that, like, you know, when you do your spells and stuff like that. Like, it looks great. I mean, we're not trying to say that yeah, it doesn't look bad. bad. I, I think it was just we had it built up in our heads so much that it was supposed to be yeah. this kind of beautiful. And it is kind of the end of the console, and it's a PC game. But also, remember, it was made for PC a little while back, so I don't know if yeah, that affected it, it or if it yeah. Dumbed it down a little bit. I console. think it was. I think the idea of the, they made the graphics the way they were. They said to stylize it, but I think they did it to accommodate the amount of action they wanted on the screen, which is flat chaotic. Yeah, yeah I mean they have tons of enemies, especially when we pumped it up to the master one level. It was bigger mobs, and well, I mean, also what like I think when you're in a group, I think guys. it yeah. makes a difference too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, then even some of the bosses are, are gigantic, and a mm-hmm. lot of the spells you're throwing down are you know these huge areas swathes of. <laughs> I mean, that was I'm the main character I played through was the witch doctor, and a lot of the stuff he throws down are just these areas that that they continue to act. So, but I mean, I would just throw down a ton of spells onto a mob, and there'd just be just chaos going on, and then everything would die, which was really awesome. Yeah, but uh, it, yeah, it was. <laughs> there's just a lot going on, but it was really fun, and I enjoyed the loot. I, at times, I felt it was a little bit junky, where you're just getting all this stuff that you're just gonna sell off. Um, but I know they tweaked that a little bit for the console version. Apparently, it was worse back when it originally came out on PC. Um, but they kind of tweaked that and fixed it up a little bit. Yeah, I think because uh, they, you know, that game up until, well, actually, still, I don't think they've shut it down yet. Um, with that live auction money house, supposedly they were shutting it down. Yeah, I, I think when. March it's going to be completely gone. But um, I don't think it's really in effect now. But it's still there if you want to use it for some reason. But yeah, I think that the, a lot of the loot drops were either non character, non class specific, or that they just were so under leveled compared to where you were yeah. that it just was absolutely useless. And if you take away the functionality of the loot drops in a loot drop game, then why are really we like, playing? Because there's really the gameplay itself is very simplistic, fun because of things like the dodge, you know, button and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's there's not a whole heck of a no, lot. No, the loot to is the it. thing because it's the reward, right? It's the yeah. constantly you're constantly being rewarded in this yeah. game with levels or new loot or whatever your goal right. to do stuff. Constantly being rewarded. That's what's so addictive. Now, one of the things that was a criticism of the game that I I don't I didn't have any problem with at all, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about it is that the way that you know once you select your gender and you select your your class that you're playing as. Once you get into actually leveling up and upgrading, it's a pretty linear path that you're set on as far as your customization is concerned. It's not, it doesn't branch a whole heck of a lot. You basically, everything unlocks in a set order. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, every, I don't know what you want to call it, skill or talent usually has some sub-talents in it. That are, you know, we'll talk about what a secondary weapon does or affect a cooldown rate or something like that. Like... I really had no problem with that because if I found something I liked and I upgraded to something else, I would always try out that new thing, yeah. which sometimes was amazing and other times was just like, mm, not for me. But that's fine. Yeah. I would just go back to the other thing. Like, there's no... Well, well then I switched it. between because I would get a new power. I'm like, oh, well, this would really go really well with this power I don't actually use. And I think that was the thing is even though there wasn't an actual, like, skill tree or branching, there was... 
because you have four main power slots, and then you could stick those powers. You know, you each power slot had several powers you could choose from, right. and then you also had passive abilities, and then each of those actual active powers had like the little runes or whatever you're talking about that you would modify affect the spell bit. in some way. Right. And that's the whole thing is for each power slot, and you couldn't take like a power slot from the triangle slot could not go in the circle slot. Like each slot had their own. Actually, spells. you could change that. Oh, you could. Yeah, there's an option to just make it so you could put four slots of armor. Oh. Yeah, I forget what that option's called. It was added, I think, late in the PC, and it was the, you got to dig into the system a little bit. But no. then, yeah. Well, see, I actually thought it was better that kind of way because it kind of forced you to to kind of pick and choose between. Right. Oh well, I mean. You know, I, I kind of liked it, and I felt like it did allow you to kind of create your own version of this character. Because while I might like, you know, to use the you know acid rain spell of the witch doctor and not the summon the zombie, somebody else might, you know, somebody might be more into summoning creatures, or somebody might be more into the debuffs, you know, or, or whatever. I think you can kind of make your own character with that and design it. Yeah. So even though there's not like a branching, yeah, sure, you're unlocking stuff in a certain period of time, but. Still, I still think it kind of worked out, and I think it allowed you to try out everything, you know? Yeah. It allowed you to still, even though there's a spell you maybe only used once just to check it out, at least you got to try it out. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, you had to pick between the two, and you never would get to try that one you didn't pick, you know? Yeah, and I think the characters were designed to play in a fairly specific way, you know? So, yeah. if you wanted that character type, you'd probably be satisfied with it. And if you didn't like that character type, like, I tried the monk, and I didn't really care for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of the other types I really liked. Like, I played Mage first. I loved that. And then I ended up playing... I tried Witch Doctor, and I tried the... Um, Hunter? Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter. The best class. And I uh, <laughs> really liked the Demon Hunter, too. Really good um, as well. So I just... I found the stuff that I liked. And I think they all play a certain way. So... And the powers would give you a little room to move around in that, certainly. But I think you're looking for a certain experience with a certain kind of character. And they, since they gave you so many different kinds of characters, you could play this game about however you wanted. You just had to find the character to do that for you. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, a, a very, very successful for what it did. I feel like even with the story progression, things move along just fast enough to, like, once you would kind of get through an area, because there is a fair amount of backtracking here and there, but there's also a lot of fast travel abilities, uh, mm -hmm. more than I even understood by beating the game, which I can talk about in a second. Um, but, um... <laughs> Like, it, it moves along pretty briskly, which I thought was a nice thing, particularly when you would get into story-heavy elements of the game, because uh, it committed a couple cardinal sins as far as I'm concerned. Number one, you didn't have a good option to scroll quickly through text, oh, which drives me yeah. nuts when I can't... When you, when you have text that's matching up with voice acting anyway... Um, you know, getting the timing of that right is a little tricky because they, even in games where I love the voice acting, like Mass Effect, every now and again I would cut a line off just because I can read faster than I can listen, no, absolutely. and I, I want to get to the next thing. And um, and that's in a game where the voice acting is exceptional. Oh, it was now to talk so about the voice bad. acting in Diablo three, it was really bad. It was wretched. Yeah, it was almost comical. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically yeah. We could sit around. It's and like do they a, just stop people in the street. Could you read could this you line in this man? microphone? Yeah. Diablo. Like, yeah. Just like <laughs> what? Yeah, it was pretty bad. So luckily, I mean, it's uh, no one's gonna win a Pulitzer for their their script work on Diablo. They I mean, it's hide, about they didn't the most. Talk to Nolan North or that Troy Barker. Or Troy, White, Troy Baker. Yeah. yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if both of them had some kind of involvement in that game. Yeah. They, they probably did voices. Jennifer Hale, I know did. So Femshep was in there somewhere. I don't That's right. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's in her best work. <laughs> I think what one no of the one. things that I think was successful about this game for me is the fact that you know it's it's not the deepest 
systems in the world, but there are quite a few. And I felt like I took advantage of every option that you had. So the, whatever, the, the jewel crafting and the item crafting and the armor crafting, like, I felt like I had my hands in a little bit of everything. And in a lot of games, particularly really deep RPGs, you can usually kind of find what you're interested in and you can get to learn that and you use that. Like, I think back to playing through uh, Oblivion, which I loved, uh, that Elder Scrolls game, but, like, I never once touched anything involving crafting. I could have. It probably would have made the game more enjoyable for me, but I didn't need to. I did, and you had to... It was very, like, World of Warcraft where it's like, okay, you want to craft? Okay, you better pick what you want to craft. Like, yeah. you want to craft spells, then fine. You're going to spend a lot of time doing that. You're not going to be making armor at the same time. You're, you, yeah. you have to, like, pick. You have to pick one that went with your character class in those, yeah. generally, um, to really work at them. They Either were, that or, or it just takes you forever. Because, like, in Skyrim, yeah. they had... I mean, you could do all of them, all the crafting, but... Either way, you had to sit, you had to make a lot of like iron daggers to get to a point where you could actually craft some right, decent yeah, armor right. or something, which I did. Yeah, everybody <laughs> made a lot of iron daggers. Yeah. So, so in a way, I feel like one of the greatest successes of the game was that it feels it felt really lean. Like it didn't feel like there was a lot of superfluous stuff. Like they kind of no, it was really all about down the combat. What they like do. It was getting you in and out quickly to battle. You yeah. know, it was town was made just to drop some crap off craft a couple of things, and then move back in. And that was, they made it so you could go back and forth really quickly. Which, I mean, maybe that was the reason why they did it. Because in, in Diablo, you could just basically press the back button and hold it down, and that was your town portal. And there was no cooldown, no limited amount. You could use it whenever and wherever you wanted, and then as soon as you got back, you just jump right into that portal and it drops you off where you put it, and you go right back to questing. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe they did that because they wanted it to be a quick, like, Go out there, fight some, go drop some crap off, come back, fight some more, like, and not bog it down. But even then, it did, like, it was already really easy and normal, but on top of that, if I can just go back to town whenever I feel Literally like it and get healed and sell off all the junk that I don't want and craft new stuff and pick up all the cool stuff that I've leveled up to get in the stash, you know. It does kind of take away because the whole point about an RPG is you're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, I need to get back to town because I got to sell this stuff, and I know I got a really cool piece of armor that I leveled up for in the stash, and I got to buy some new spells or whatever, and so you have to get to that to be able to go there or you know give up a town scroll portal, you know. Um, but in this one, no, it's just oh, I just hold down the back button and I can travel back and forth as much as I want. Except. Some of that, us didn't understand that no, that was Chris a function you somehow do. Get that. Yeah, I don't know how y'all didn't learn we didn't that. Get it. There we was were... even a tutorial quest on it. Like, yeah, there hey, was. press and this to travel to back go to back. Town. And I just, I thought it was like a special part this of that quest. This one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. press this button and, this uh, one time to make it's this It's like, happen. oh, you just did this thing, so you have this power. And, um, because it's funny, because this happened to both Chris and I, where we are finally playing, having basically beaten the game with Mike, and he's like, well, let's town portal. Like, oh, well, we'll get to one of those fast travels soon. He's like, what are you talking about? Let's go right now. We're like, but we're not at one. And he just like pressed a button and we're just like why are we in town now and we're like oh man so that was funny that 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 i didn't realize the only other thing i didn't realize i played as a mage my first playthrough i didn't realize that what weapon you have in your hand is irrelevant i thought that was my one big problem in the game which best a lot of people i thought i had to use wands so i kept trying to craft new wands and find better wands then one time i was like Oh, this dagger's neat. And I picked it up and I was like, wait a second. I still shoot fireballs out of this dagger. There was maybe one class that I think... The Barbarian. The Barbarian. Was the only one who the got only affected one that really by, you know... But only even that. then, it was... I mean, it was only the difference was you just saw what he swung. Like, the only difference was if he used a two-handed compared to a one-handed. Right. You know, for if he dual-wielded, 
But in the end, the sword and axe were exactly the same. Yeah. They sold so, the same way. Ah, uh, that drove me crazy. And then once I figured that out, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get a lot more powerful now because I'm just going to start using the most powerful item I get in my inventory. No, and that's what I did with like the Witch Doctor. They definitely have certain weapons that are designed more. Like the Witch Doctor's, the sacrificial daggers are usually what he's supposed to be using. Like that's why wands, usually they'll say only for the wizard. Right. And they're made... Well, they they're, had class only. They're designed yes. more for the wizard, so they're more of but his strength. That doesn't strength. mean that I wouldn't find a certain yes. little dagger to no, carry exactly. around for Just like every once in a while I find an axe that my Witch Doctor would carry. And it's, it's just weird to watch my, wage, my mage running around with a sword shooting lightning bolts out of the sword. I'm like, yeah. this just feels wrong. Well, that was, I remember we were playing, when we were playing with Chris, he was a mage, and at one point in time, he had a two-handed axe in his hands, and I'm like, this just doesn't look right. Because <laughs> no. he's this skinny little mage. You know? a, Gandalf doesn't hold an axe. But that was one of the big complaints the people sword. had about the game, <laughs> is they wanted a, another class. They wanted them to bring back the paladin class, because they wanted another melee class. Well, they're so they doing have that. Somebody, yeah, they, it's the crusader. Yeah. So he's going to be actually somebody who can actually use the sword, of, although he's really based around the shield. He has a lot of abilities based around using a shield. Yeah. Um, so that's they're actually making it, because with the barbarian, you didn't really use the shield. It was just kind of there. No. Well, hey, barbarian. It just added to your armor. Basically. Yeah, so... But, um, but this guy can actually use it as a weapon. That release, though, has only been announced for PC, as far as yes. I know. I don't think they they've announced the... Talked, well, no, they talked about they release. are going to release something on PlayStation 3, but it's going to be kind of like what XCOM did, where it's going to be like a... You're going to have to buy, basically, the game again. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> It'll be a cheaper price, because, like, XCOM Enemy Within was only $40 rather than a full 60 but, Still not gonna do so the question is, is, should you go ahead and trade Diablo 3 in now? No, because, so, no. It's still well, worth like 20 bucks. You know? no. yeah. and the other tricky part of it, though, too, is... And, you should and be able to download a character class. I know. Well, we'll it should just maybe, be maybe there'll be some new integration for the consoles. But the other thing, too, is that, you know, this game is based on its addictive gameplay. And we, at the time, sunk a tremendous amount of time into it. Wow. And it's, it's not a hard time sink, either. I mean, it, you can it's one of those games where you can kind of look at the clock and go, oh, it's 2.30 in the morning. How'd that happen? Uh, because the game is so quick and it doesn't lag at all. And it's just very, very smooth. All right, but, that, just one more. But, you know, it, it feels like we got to a point no. where we all beat the normal mode and we all started playing through Nightmare and we played sometimes by ourselves and sometimes, you know, with other people. And then we it kind of just stopped. Like, we kind of just stopped. So we just found something else. Yeah, I mean, and is that just what it is? Is that not a... That's not a failing of the game. I mean, it's not, it's not World of Warcraft, so... If this isn't a game we're going to play for 10 years. Diablo 2 was a game that people played for 10 years. And I don't understand why that happened. But, I mean, mm. I, I suppose there's an audience for everything. I mean, there are still people who play, like, 2002 sports games online. I don't know who those people are, but people <laughs> do it. But, yeah, is it is it just a victim of the fact that it's a console game and console games just sort of seem to have this, maybe, I don't know what you'd call it, like a social shelf life. Because even as great as Mass Effect multiplayer was, we only played it for so long. And then, I don't know, as a unspoken gaming community, you kind of just drift to, I don't know, the next thing. Well, the next I think thing it depends. Kind of has, you know. I, think it, I think the whole point is, is if it's a game that's designed around having people, like, like it's a cooperative game, like you can tell when it's designed to be that way. If you don't have people to play with, then you're not really going to play it. Like, we still go back and play Gears of War 3 Horde, that's because all of our friends still play it. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, if you guys were still playing, if we got together regularly to play Mass Effect, you know, multiplayer, I would totally go back and play it because I had a lot of fun doing it. It was a lot of fun. But nobody plays it anymore, and I don't want to go on and play with random people or by myself. Yeah. And that's the thing is with Diablo, like, I enjoyed playing through it by myself. I had fun. Would I want to do it again? I mean, maybe if only just to experience another character, but. 
I would probably find myself going through it a lot faster than I did just because that's just it. I wouldn't want to sit there and enjoy it. Because, yes, the storyline isn't superb. The acting is definitely not really that great. Really, the most part about it is the gameplay and what makes the gameplay strong. I think this one, even more so than, obviously, 2 and 1, because they were designed to be single-player. This one is designed to be cooperative. Yeah. Just like Borderlands. If you play Borderlands by yourself, yeah, you can have fun, but not nearly as much fun when you play with a group. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the thing, is is we got to a point, obviously we had a lot of crap go on in our lives right after <laughs> Diablo 3, so that's why originally we were going to play through the whole game together, and then it just stopped because we didn't have time I still do that if we end up getting to a point. But oh, no, I think, I think obviously think, eventually I think we'll still finish it together because I would like but, to. Yeah, but. I think what ended up happening too, though, was that I think it's almost kind of good we played it on our own first because I think if we played it together right away... Going back to play it by yourself, just yeah, it's just not the same experience. It was built very well to be played with a group. It was super fun oh, yeah. to oh, yeah. play online with you guys. Like to play that as a group was like I started and when I was playing that your powers and you yeah, know, like, the way you could do that and the way that you could move through and level and everything. So much. I mean, they reward you even with bonus experience and stuff. Like we were cranking through that game as a group too. Super fast. We never were having to grind. Even though that's hard difficulty, we weren't really having to grind and do stuff like that. And it's neat to find, like, to, you know, we, you all get your own loot, so there's never any, like, oh, no there's one's ever going to fight over anything. You, you don't, don't even see yeah. the other person. In fact, that I was picked... really fun to figure out. Like, there's an axe on the ground. Jared, do you see it? No. No. Oh, cool. Oh, man. Yeah, he's like, yeah. this axe. And there were times I was like, hey, and I'd get, we'd give stuff to each other after we picked it up. But, yeah. like, yeah, that took us a while to realize. I was like, oh, did you pick up that shield? And they were like, what shield? I was like, Oh, I'll oh, just grab it then. You missed it then. I'll just Either grab that it. You'd be so like, oh, I left it on the ground for you. You've walked off. Like, it's just sitting there. Like, <laughs> oh, well, I guess I didn't get it. Yeah. No, we could pick it up and, like, drop it for you, though. And yeah. then you would see it, or which is neat. It, yeah. Or trade it and stuff. So, that was neat. They, like, they've really built it to be cooperative in that way, which was nice. And um, it was just so much fun that way. And I think that's why it dropped off. It's because we hadn't had the opportunity to play together. I think it's just, yeah, and we I just stopped playing all together. I didn't want to play it by myself anymore. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't seem fun. That's exactly, like, I have trouble going on and playing Borderlands 2 now because I barely got to play any of that game with anybody, and I, I played through it just because it's still an enjoyable game, like, because the storyline, the voice acting, and all that stuff More is still really enjoyable. Stuff, right, yeah. So you can make it through, but... By no means am I having as much fun with two as I did with one, because I played through pretty much all of we one all with people. played that people. as a big group, right. yeah. So that was a lot more of an enjoyable experience. Like, now I've gone back to try to go play one, and playing it by yourself is horrible after playing, like, the whole game with people. Well, also, so. one is just not as... Two had a lot of advancements that yeah, were hard to notice until you go back and look at one and... So I, I, I think that was really the main problem. I don't think it's anything necessarily wrong with the game because it's how it was designed. If this game was designed to be a single-player game and you couldn't play it by yourself, then yes, that would be a problem. But this game was designed for the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I think that's also why they didn't really bother with the storyline and voice acting because... It didn't matter. Yeah. Right. You're basically just, let's and jump in and kill them. If anything, the cutscenes were amazing, but that's Blizzard. They were beautiful. Yeah, Blizzard makes really amazing cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, they had some, some killer cutscenes, which was funny because, you know, the game looked kind of campy, as we talked about, like it was a little cruddy looking, and then these cutscenes came on that were beautiful cinematics yeah, yeah, and incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Oh. And even the voice acting in those parts was actually not as cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> not as offensive. It wasn't and great, but also, it was better. And... I will say this. If you're really into Blizzard cutscenes, I'll go ahead and tell for everybody's oh, listening. not? Look up the trailer for... The, the cinematic trailer for Heroes of the Storm, I think is the big, like, kind of Dota game uh, that yeah, uh, Blizzard mobile. is making. You get to watch... Uh, 
Kyle, or not Kyle, um, what is it, Raynard from uh, StarCraft take on, like, Diablo, and you get to see one of the ghosts take on uh, the Lich King and all, it's like, <laughs> it's all the heroes from the different games, like, taking on each other, it is, it is phenomenal. If you want to see, like, Diablo get a nuke called down on top of it, you know, <laughs> look this trailer up, it's, it's worth the watch. Even if you're not gonna ever, I probably won't ever play that game, but the trailer almost makes me want to try it out. Nice. Oh. Well, Blizzard only makes crack. That's kind of I, their gosh. specialty, right? Yeah. And, yes. They don't make a lot of they games, are, but that's because oh, the games they do make are just, I can't stop They're playing. They're amazing. They, yeah, they are the, the drug dealers of this community. I'm just yeah. waiting for a while to come free to play, and then I'm on there again. <laughs> Maybe. Someday. Some if it was free, I might play it again. I yeah. would totally play I it again. I'm, yeah. It's not worth paying for anymore, but yeah. I go pick up my level 70 character and... Maybe, and you know, I'd be smart for them eventually because I'd have to buy some expansions. I don't even know if I remember my login stuff. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'd have to retrieve your password. Stuff, I'm going to have to buy some expansions. They'd make some money off making it free at some yeah. point. Well, there you go. Blizzard, shut up and let us uh, give you our yet. money. They're not ready yet. Yeah, but, uh, it's, that's still a couple years out. That's right. Well, good. Well, a great opportunity for us to kind of get back on the horse and remember what it's like to talk about how much we love this world of video games. So uh, we're going to wrap this one up for the night. So uh, thank you again for listening and for being a member of our audience. If you want to hear anything on a future episode of the Used Gamers podcast, let us know. Drop us a line on Twitter. We're at the Used Gamers. Find us on Facebook. Uh, as part of our effort to revolutionize the way we're going to be recording these episodes in the future, I think that'll free up some more time for us to do things like posting short updates or more show notes or more frequent uh, things, interactive opportunities, polls, mm-hmm. whatever you guys want yeah. uh, on the internet. If we, we do our job there, we'd love to have you guys come along with us. So signing off for this evening, my name is Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Jared. We are the Used Gamers, and we will see you in the next episode. dry than usual like i love the soup i think his delivery is is funny and, but this just didn't seem to work out properly do you and want to test this and see, see what it sounds like <laughs> I'm, not really sure. I'm not the only one who didn't like joe McHale.